We are here with you again, ladies and gentlemen. It is Factor Fantasy time with Chase and Josh, and we are here to close out Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets for this year. Brother, how you doing? <laughs> doing great, man. No complaints here. Uh, it's always great. Gotta love it. <laughs> I heard a joke one time. <laughs> it was uh, some guy that told me, yeah, man, about to ask this girl out. Maybe I'll get to unlock her Chamber of Secrets later. It's like, oh, all right. Dude. That's awesome. And the, the, I, I forget the actor's name who plays Draco Malfoy, but on Twitter I saw this. This was a couple years ago. Like one of the girls, like just a random girl that's a fan of his, like I just like slid onto his uh, timeline for Twitter, and or his feed, I guess you could say. And she goes, um, uh, you know, something about, like, what size is your bed? And he's like, a queen size. And she's like, do you mind if I slither in? Yeah, <laughs> and then that's when you finish it out and then she uh just kicks you out because you're like ah this bed is where the magic happens she's like okay Jeez. get out <laughs> like i'm tired of this too potter many harry potter references, references. yep and, then, <laughs> and they're done with that <laughs> then you pull the book out and you're like okay <laughs> read her a chapter it's book club time <laughs> <laughs> maybe i can read you the story before i go to bed guess what story we got tonight Harry Potter. Oh, man. <laughs> Coming up next, The Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, yeah. That's act actually a perfect segue into what we are doing uh, next. So next week, yeah, we are going to be starting part one of Prisoner of Azkaban. We're both really excited about that. Because uh, that's where I think a lot of people, we started to see an uptick in mm -hmm. interest is when it gets to kind of the Prisoner of Azkaban time. Because we start to learn like more spells, like more people are introduced that become part of that Harry Potter family in the in the series. So we're pumped for that. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, we gave you part one of Chamber of Secrets. Last week, we uh, did our part two. Today, what we're doing is just specifically the differences between the book and the movie. And we're going to give our quick, you know, scale of one to ten ratings on uh, how we thought each the book and the movie did. And... That's what we've got for you guys today. And for you guys who are only listening on your, uh, you know, wherever you get your podcast from and not on the YouTube channel, it's just like we talk about the visuals again. Chase has got it killing it over there with all those Funko Pops. Mine looks exactly the same as it has the past two weeks. But uh, yeah, and one thing I want to mention, I don't think either Chase or I mentioned it uh, either of the past two weeks. Chase actually has the poster for the specific movie, not just the Harry Potter poster. It's a poster for specifically the Chamber of Secrets up there on his end. So I wanted to make sure that we brought attention to that, my man. Yeah, I thought that was uh, kind of a cool Easter egg <laughs> for everybody. Uh, Josh was like, man, they're not even going to be able to see that. And I was like, that's the point. It's an Easter egg. So if you can search out here on the YouTube, look for us on YouTube. You'll see at the top. Uh, every time between the two banners where you got Mouse and the Chalice and Great Debate. Um, this one's actually got Harry, Ron, and Hermione with the Gryffindor sword. And then, of course, that'll be changing in weeks to come. So Prisoner of Azkaban, to me, was almost like really where you have those arcs really pick up. Like, I feel like Storm of Swords was the big one for Game of Thrones. Or, like, even if we're relating it to TV series or something say like Westworld we did, I feel like season two was like the big one. So Azkaban is going to be awesome because that's really when you kind of start breaking into more of the, I feel like that's when it became more of adult books versus like just children's novels. If you read yeah. that. I'm with you. I'm with you a hundred percent and I'm excited to do that and tackle 
ask me on that uh, next week. But for this week, man, I'm excited to properly send off Chamber of Secrets. So what we're going to do is kind of the same thing we did with Sorcerer's Stone. We'll kind of go three at a time and keep in line with where we are in the timeline of events. And uh, we'll, we'll give him what we got. Do you want to get a nice Malice and the Chalice in there and start her off? Yeah, man. Malice and the Chalice, baby. Good stuff. Yeah, brother. Let's do it. Bang, bang into the roof. I'll let you have it. <laughs> yeah, Josh was all <laughs> over that song today, man. Jay I Kelly. was. It was stuck in my head. By the way, Ari's dropping a new album soon, so pretty stoked for that. If y'all follow there me on go. Instagram, you saw I posted the little single she came out with. Princess of Pop, baby. Uh, yeah. She's something, man. Cool. Well, I don't know, man. I usually start off with stuff, so how about we switch it up a little bit and let you... Uh, Tackle your first three, then turn it over to me. What do you think, man? Oh, man, that's switching it up. Yeah. Yeah. Got to bring my A game for this one. <laughs> you're giving me the ball, and I'm calling plays over here. Yeah, man. Okay, so let me go ahead and uh, get everything all set up on this end, since I'm usually running the routes versus commanding them. I'm just messing with you. Yeah, um, dude. One thing, too, this is just completely off of left field for the listeners. If you guys see that we usually like do cheers and, and take a sip of the, our drinks in the cups. Mine today is hot chocolate, and that's just 100%. <laughs> it, it, it was really <laughs> silly. It's, it was, it's a beautiful night out here in Orlando, Florida. We actually got a nice breeze going. It was like, you know, mid to high 70s, cloudy, breezy. So uh, I, I busted out the hot chocolate. Getting in that Christmas spirit now that Halloween's passed. Yeah, so, man. You know, Starbucks uh, just came out with, I didn't know this. They have like a pumpkin cold brew, which is really cool. I was yeah, actually, a pumpkin cream cold brew. That's what I get. That's what I get at Starbucks. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. It's man. so good. Uh, you can even buy chocolate frogs there. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, word. I didn't. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. So, so go shout, shout out to that's order one. <laughs> I'll give it perfect. to you. Perfect. Right, right in line with what we're doing. Chocolate frogs. We're doing Harry Potter. And guys want to go to Starbucks, shout them out. They always do a great job over here. And uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it's a <laughs> rock and roll. Cool. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll take like a, I'll do a few and then I'll pass it back off to you and we'll just kind of go back and forth like we did. Yeah, we'll just like um, three at a time and yeah, that's perfect. That worked? Cool. Uh, yeah. So the first one I got, so the book begins, which I thought was really cool on Harry's birthday. Uh, we kind of made this a little bit obvious last time, but that part, the very beginning is almost entirely omitted from the film. It starts off when the Masons are coming and he's making that big drill cell. So I was, all right. And on top of that, I do want to bring up the fact, why is it it started when Harry was locked in his room and Daniel Radcliffe, the actor, just acted like he was as happy as can be, like just sitting there locked in his room, like everything was a-okay. In the book, he was starved to death. He was like a malnourished, starving child crying for help. And in the film, he was just sitting there like, Hmm, I wonder if I'll get a letter today. I wonder if I'll get a letter. So, all right, but I'll let it slide. Not to be too big on that, but uh, the second thing, of course, the film showed uh, that I wrote down, second thing. Uh, the film showed Dobby levitating the cake in the, like, sitting room, and it went over to Miss Mason's head and dropped, and then she, like, took the, like, cake and, and licked it, and that was what, like, ended... Them being there where Uncle Vernon couldn't make the sale. 
Whereas, of course, in the book, uh, we were talking about owls because, you know, I'm a big owl guy, right? Um, well, like Dobby dropped the pudding. It was like a chocolate pudding, wasn't it, is what it was in the book? Yeah, it was a, it was a treckle pudding and they dropped it on the floor in the book, like not yeah. on the head. Like, That's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah, so he dropped it on the floor um, and uh, it like exploded all over Harry. But what made Miss Mason wind up leaving was it was because of, I guess, like, she had a fear of birds already and was super scared of them. And um, that's when the owls flew down and then she was chased all the way out of the house. So I thought that was really cool. That was a lot more, like, creative, I would say, versus, okay, just dropped a cake on the head. Like, that would make me leave, too. But it would have been a lot more cooler if we saw like a bunch of owls or the owl again. If you wanted to mix it up, just make it a ton of owls chasing her ass out the driveway. <laughs> that would have been hysterical because Uncle Vernon would have lost it, man. Um, the last one I have, and then I'll shoot it over to you. Um, so also, of course, this is kind of a big moment, you know, that was omitted was Harry received the letter because of the charm that was used outside of school. And that huge letter from the ministry, and then that was just entirely omitted from the film. Like, not even referenced or anything. So, I'll shoot it over to our Jay Nelly, man. Let's take it away. Yeah, dude. You covered a lot of the good stuff there. There was one thing I noticed at the very, very beginning, and I even talked about this when we did the differences for Sorcerer's Stone, and just how, like, the people were characterized. Like, yeah. there was, a, and on page two of, of uh, the, the book here, it literally says that Dudley was so fat that his bottom drooped over both sides of the chair he was sitting in. <laughs> like, that's how big he was. Like, in the movie, he's barely pudgy. Like, like, like he's, like, they're just completely different. Like, I don't understand the casting on those guys, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, another thing is, like, outside, like, outside there was, like, no scene in the movie where he goes and sits on that bench and sees Dobby's eyes in the hedge bush there. Like, that was huge. That just didn't show up. And then, like, Dudley taunting him about not having any friends who wrote to him and him, like, uh, pretending to do a fake spell and having Ampatuni, like, swing at him with the pot. Like, that just, <laughs> they just left that out. That's a really cool thing to show the animosity and how alone he was feeling. Like, he let his, like, cousin get to him because he was feeling so alone because he wasn't getting any letters. That's definitely something you can't just move past. And then... Like you said about the, the pudding, you know, dropping it on her head in the movie versus on the floor with the owl coming in the book. It's just completely different. <laughs> and then one thing, too, is when they, like, Fred and George get there with the car, like, they actually have to go and pick the lock to his room yeah. and then go pick the lock to the broom cupboard, then bring his stuff back up. And, like, that just never happened. He just, like, the thing that what kind of gave him away in the book was that Harry forgot about Hedwig. Where in this, in the movie, it's just that uh, he made too much noise and then he came in and tried to stop him. But this completely missed out everything that Fred and George did from getting up to the car, pulling the bars out. They did show like the bars being pulled out, but them coming actually into his room, unlocking his door like the regular muggle style way with the bobby pins, <laughs> getting his trunk and bringing it upstairs. Like they just totally dogged my boys. But uh, those are some of the three that I have. I'm going to shoot it back over to you. Yeah, man, and a point on that, too, that I think should have definitely been done because it just makes it so much more creative 
and you can't make an excuse for it because it's not like this that moment affected the budget in any way whatsoever. It's not like it would really add take so much time where it's like we need to cut those little things. Like it's those little things that to me made the book so much greater than the film. But that's yeah. just me personally. Um, yeah, actually, the next one I had was exactly what you said um, about, you know, him picking the lock and going inside the house. Um, you know, Harry's trunk was actually locked in the cupboard under the stairs. But um, in the book, uh, the first one I'll bring up. So, well, of course, you know, he almost leaves Hedwig, too. You mentioned that. So I was just going to graze over it. But um, going into that part, though, that I do want to say for the first one, I'll bring up is I mentioned it last time, last episode a little bit, Uncle Vernon, like, it made it so much more intense. Because Uncle Vernon was, like, grabbing at Harry and trying to pull him in. And then when Harry, like, Ron and George and Fred, like, took off in the car and he was holding on for dear life, Uncle Vernon got pulled out and, like, pummeled all the way down, like, out of the window into a pile of bushes, which was awesome. Like, that was, like, the biggest screw you Uncle Vernon moments you can ever have. Never happened in a film. Um, that actually did. No, I, I actually watched it uh, today. Did it? And it did happen in the film. He, he full out and did, like, one full summer start and landed on his back in the bushes down below. Oh, I had okay. to go back and check that. Yeah. Awesome. So it did, that did happen. We want to we wanna give them credit. It did happen in the movie. <laughs> gotcha. It happened really fast in the movie. <laughs> but, okay. it, was, it actually okay, was very so quick. So I'll let them have that. So, okay. So then the first one I'll do then. Because I didn't notice that. I got to give, give you credit on that one. Um, but Miss Weasley, when they arrive at the, not the bourbon, what do you call it? The burrow. The burrow. Yeah, the burrow. There you go. Um, Miss Weasley wakes up uh, the boys and tells them they need to denome the garden. So, unless well, that. Well, she doesn't even wake them up, remember? They come home and, like, she's already waiting for them mad and, like, they're going to go to yeah, bed. And okay. she's like, oh, you yeah, ain't, you so ain't going were, to bed, boys. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're about to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, it's your fault you've been up all night. <laughs> now yeah. you're going to denome the garden. And it even went into detail of uh, Ron was showing Harry how to denome it. <laughs> he was pulling it out and then tossed it over, like, the wall. So I thought it was really cool. Um, also, uh, Miss Weasley, when they go to Diagon Alley, she's the one that actually repairs Harry's glasses. In the film, it was Hermione that does that. Um, so I thought that was a big difference there. Um, and then the one I love is the witch. Like, after, after he left, um, was it Borgen and Botts? No. Bur Borgen and Burks. Borgen and Burks, gotcha. Um, uh, that's when you see the witch... With the fingernails? That yeah, was disgusting, disgusting. <laughs> man. It reminded me of someone, like, trying to sell you drugs on the street. You're like, you want to get some fingernails? <laughs> like, I mean, that's <laughs> nasty. It was absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of a big moment because in the film, you know, they're just kind of, like, pulling at him and attacking him, which it makes a little sense to me because... Maybe some kids would get freaked out if they saw a bunch of fingernails on a plate. But, uh, and then Hagrid comes down and rescues him, just like the book. Um, so, those were my big three moments there, uh, to the point when he got up to Diagon Alley, which was cool. 
Awesome. I'll take mine a couple. There's a couple that I have in there before I get to Diagon Alley too. So I'll kind of go to catch up to you. Cool. Um, when they're driving that flying car, they have a conversation. Like Harry tells them about Dobby and what happened in there in that car, and they basically come up with a theory that. Dobby could be Malfoy's house elf. Well, that just doesn't happen in the film, and that's a really big moment <laughs> that they just said, no, thank you, we're going to leave out. Okay. Uh, and just like you said about uh, that there's no denoming scene. Like, denoming was one of the cool things that was in the beginning of the book to make it interesting to pass the time. And even though they went a description about it, so... Uh, I was upset about that. Also, the ghoul in the attic. Remember the ghoul in the attic? Yeah, the, the ghoul. Least, like, that was just awesome. never, never yeah. had that there. Also, there is no letter to Hermione to meet up. Remember, like yeah, when Harold brought no the letters, letters in, like it was yeah. just for Dumbledore saying, "Oh, he doesn't miss a trick. He knows you're here, Harry." Well, how did they Hermione know when to meet up with them in Diagon Alley in the film? She just happened to be there on the same day. Like, what in the world was that? That was <laughs> That's crazy. a very good point. Because yeah, she just showed up one day. She was just there. And then, like, they don't even go to Gringotts. They were, like, because they made a big point to show you how poor the Weasleys were in the book while she, like, slick, like going into the corners trying to get the money out of it. And they don't, they're not even in Gringotts. They don't even go to Gringotts in the movie. I don't understand. And uh, one quick small correction I was going to have for you, too, is it was Mr. Weasley that fixed Harry's glasses. Not Miss Weasley. It was Mr. Weasley. Mr. Weasley. The, okay, gotcha. But, yeah. And this is what I have a problem with because this is kind of a plot hole for the darn movie. You can't use underage magic. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not at school, Hermione, so of course you're not going to be the one to repair his glasses. <laughs> Even in Diagon Alley, you can't. You're underage. You're not in school. You can't do that. So Yeah, that's true. That Yeah. yeah. I guess you, yeah, because I guess that kind of takes... It makes you start thinking, like, oh, it's okay, because you're thinking they're in school. But no, they're just in Diagon Alley getting school supplies. So that's a, that's a very good point you picked up on. Where was the letter? (laughs) There's no, yeah, there's no letter. Like, and then just one more detail that was huge, like big, big, because it foreshadows a lot of stuff that happens later in the series. And I'll turn it back over to you. Was when Harry like entered like the through the chimney at Morgan and Burke's. Remember in the book, Malfoy's dad and Malfoy come in talking about having to sell some of their dark art stuff so they don't get raided at the ministry. Yeah. That just yeah. never happens. Never happened at all. Huge. Like, he was the only one in Nocturne Alley. Like Lucius Malfoy and uh, uh, Draco Malfoy, who just didn't show up in Borgen and Burks in yeah. the film. They just left that out. Like, that place is really important, and there's a lot of stuff in there that comes up later on in terms of the artifacts. Like, even where he was hiding, like, there is a lot that was missed. So yeah. I'll give it back to you, my dude. And uh, you take it away from there. Yeah, man. And you brought up a good point because that brings up a plot hole for the Sorcerer's Stone. Because remember when Harry was on the train of Hogwarts Express and she said, Oculus Reparo and fixed his glasses there? But at least that is, it, it's forgivable because they haven't known that they're not allowed to use magic yet outside of school because okay. that's the first time going to the school. Yeah. So I can forgive that. And plus that only happened in the movie. That didn't happen in the book. Right. Fixing his glasses. Okay. Yeah. So, but either way, they wouldn't know the rules because they haven't attended the school yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that makes I can sense. forgive that one. It's just this one. It's like, okay, what the heck? You guys just gave Harry a letter for saying you can't do <laughs> underage magic and now she can do it in the streets? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On the streets, <laughs> there was a what? There was a movie that was um, 
the comebacks. Do you ever remember that? It was like a football spinoff movie, almost like Scary Movie. Yeah. Remember that guy was like, I grew up on the streets. And he was like, dude, you grew up in my neighborhood. Your parents had a bigger <laughs> house than I did. It's like, all right, man. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. There actually was a neighborhood right down the street from mine called Shadowwood. And once I remember in high school, this kid goes, yeah, man, you didn't grow up in the hood like me. And my buddy Taylor Coleman goes, dude, you live in my neighborhood. It's called Shadowwood, not the hood. <laughs> yeah, man, crazy stuff. I love when liars get called out. It's hilarious. Called out, exactly. Uh, so the next ones I got here. So uh, a big one, big one we talked about yesterday is in Flourishing Bots. Uh, Arthur Weasley... Straight up brawls. <laughs> Lucy is Malfoy. 100% omitted from the film. <laughs> Not yeah, you can't, there. you can't omit that. That's huge. Just straight up omitted the entire scene. <laughs> Not even there. Not even there. Uh, the other one is in the book, Harry and Ron, like we were talking about, go to Gringotts, and they even see Hermione's parents there and that's like a big moment because you never really seen her mind muggles and diagon alley yeah it's a yeah. big moment that's <laughs> like you're kind of like oh wow that would have even shown in the film too which would have been cool like oh wow they're not just getting across to people that are so you know practicing magic in their house because keep in mind like hermione even says like my uh, i think it was one of the films much later on we'll talk about but Spoiler alert, she goes, my parents are dentists. <laughs> they fix people's teeth. Like, so that goes to show Hermione's parents aren't active magic practicers, but they're still sending people to the school. So that's pretty cool. It means they're breaking into that other side. The other one I got is uh, in the book, Arthur Weasley um, talks about escalators with Harry, whereas in the film he was like, what's the use of a rubber duck? <laughs> or what's like the purpose of a rubber duck so yep. not that big of a deal but i thought it was kind of cool um in the film uh harry and ron i thought this was cool on the way to hogwarts we talked about almost get ran over by the hogwarts express <laughs> i thought that was pretty badass so i gotta give the film props on that one because i thought that was creative not very realistic in the probability <laughs> that would happen but i thought it was really cool so Cool, man. I'll yeah. shoot it back over to you. I liked it, too. That's one of the very few scenes that I was like, hey, you know what? That is interesting. Nice little flavor that they added to it. Um, a couple things I've got right around that time period, too. Uh, piggybacking right off what you said right away, like, you notice there's no brawl. Like, I'm sorry, but <laughs> that's a huge moment because all your kids just watched two adults fight, which is, like, that's, that's a bad example. And, like... I don't. You can't just. I don't think you can leave that out because that shows more animosity towards the Malfoys and the Weasleys than just you know Ron and Draco's little tiny thing that he gets into because of Harry, right? Yeah. So. And you brought up a good point. Something. Not to interrupt you. I was just gonna let you remind you there. Remember in the book, even Miss Weasley brings that up to Arthur. She was like, you know, what a great example you're setting for your kids. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, not to interrupt good you point. on that one. You're good. Then another thing, too, I talk about this in Sorcerer's Stone, and I'm probably going to talk about it all series, but they overblow Hermione's character in the movie, because uh, Hermione, like, when uh, they say Voldemort's name, Lucius and I was like, oh, you're very brave for saying the Dark Lord's name, and 
Hermione says, fear of a name only increases fear of the thing itself. Okay, well, I guess what? you that, yeah. <laughs> that is actually said by Dumbledore and Sorcerer's Stone, not yeah. by Hermione right there. So, sorry, Hermione, yeah. in the movie. Hey, they I love it, man. No complaints from me. Overblow it all you want. Oh, we, Emma Watson. Oh, we know. <laughs> and then one other thing. thing that I got there, too, is just the... Uh, I, because I think it really leads to everyone's tensions running high. There was no like hustle and bustle of them going back and forth from trying to get the King's Cross to having to go back to pick up the forgotten stuff. Because remember, Fred had to go back, then Percy had to go back, then Ginny had to go back. And why Ginny had to go back was a big deal because she forgot her diary, which, you know, is the whole reason this whole thing comes <laughs> to play. So they never showed them like having to go back and forth to the house a bunch of times at King's Cross, or Ginny forgetting the diary that, I don't know, only sets the whole scene for the book. <laughs> like So <laughs> I thought that's something that you can't really leave out there. And then uh, then I, that, that, that's the last one I've got ready for you to use, the Hogwarts Express versus the Ford Anglia that you're talking about, how he comes down on the tracks and it's almost there. That was unique. It's a difference, but that's a difference I'll give in favor of the film. And so then... The rest of them, you know, coming from there, that's what I've got leading up to Hogwarts. So I'll go ahead and toss it to you from probably right around where they land at Hogwarts, right? Yeah, man. Uh, so the first thing I have when they land at Hogwarts, so in the film, it's Argus Filch that approaches them when they're standing there. He's like, well, well, we are in trouble. <laughs> but uh, my boy Snape is the one that actually catches them when they arrive in the book. Uh, so I thought that was a, a big moment there because it was so cool because you got to, he took them like back inside the office where all the potions and stuff were and McGonagall came back there and remember she and, even made their food right there and we're like, you're not, no, the sorting ceremony is over. You're, you're done there. And then you'll go remember through. too, like he, they were talking crap about Snape and he was standing right behind them like, or maybe he's right behind you. Yeah. Like they were literally <laughs> talking crap about him. <laughs> so great. So fantastic. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit a um, couple episodes ago, remember? Yeah, I was two like, weeks ago. I was like yeah. in high school, that would always happen to me. <laughs> like, yeah. I'd be like, can't believe they assigned us homework tonight. And it'd be that, that professor right there. My 100% luck. Uh, the next one I had, so, is the... So, the reason I put this here is because if you look it up, you can find it online or if you ever have extended versions... So in the film, when they see Argus Filch in that moment, actually an envelope of that says quick spell on it uh, pops out and Harry hands it to him, wondering what it is. You can't see it in the film because it was deleted, uh, but you can see it in extended versions or go see it online. But bring it up for later, you know, in Argus Filch in the book, there was a big moment with like in his office with the dungeon chains and stuff with the quick spell. It's never in the film, <laughs> like, at all. Even in that little deleted scene, it's nothing like that. Like, you're just finding an envelope with it on there. So that was a big moment. That was just 100% omitted. Um, also, uh, like I said, you know, McGonagall made the food there. <laughs> it's like, you'll go straight back to your dormitories. Um, the Howler, uh, it was a lot more intense to me in the book like it was a lot more drawn out and then also it burst into flames at the end <laughs> that was really cool whereas in the film i thought it was done well with the red in it you know just like screaming at him it was cool to see 
But it would have been a lot better if it was more like the book and it burst into flames. Like, that would have been really cool because it's just ripping into shreds. Um, I do have... So, in the book, um, Lockhart lectures Harry about autographs in that moment uh, with, you know, Colin... What's Colin's last name again? Creevis? Creevy. Creevy. Gotcha. Yeah, that never happens in the film. And then uh, the last one I'll do is... um, in the pixie scene, you know, Lockhart's wand was thrown out the window. That doesn't happen in the film. Instead, remember, they, like, cut down that dragon skeleton thing that crashes. So, cool flavor. Um, didn't really matter, but they could have also added the wand in. I mean, that takes just a couple of seconds to do. But, yeah, it was those were the ones I had for the next, next few there. And I actually kind of prefer them throwing his wand out the window because what that does to me, it shows how, how incompetent Gilderoy Lockhart really is. That they <laughs> took his wand from him and threw it out the window. So yeah. I preferred that. So I wish they would have done that in the in the uh, film. But going back to where I got started here with uh, when they arrive at Hogwarts, uh, we don't know in the book like that the car goes into the Forbidden Forest. It just drives off as it goes across like the land there, and they don't know what happens to it. Yeah. Like, in the film, it's like, it got into the dark forest. That's what Ron <laughs> says. Like, they just knew where it went. So that kind of led up to, like, oh, well, of course that's going to come up later. Where in the book, you didn't know that that was going to come up later. You just thought it drove off, and you never even heard from it again until yeah. it surprised you. It had the element of surprise in the book, which is awesome. The film was like, oh, in the dark forest. Well, I wonder what's going to happen now. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just like you said, too, after that was uh, what Snape was the one that found them in the book when they were talking smack about him. And he's like, oh, maybe maybe he got fired. Or maybe he didn't get the defense because that's the dark arts job and he doesn't want to be here anymore. And then he's like, or maybe he's right behind you wondering why you drove a car to school. <laughs> like, so That's great. Can we talk about, too, like, the fact, not to interrupt you here, but, like, the acting just seems so cheesy to me at points. Like, it sounds almost rehearsed. Like, a good actor, it should be like you're actually in the movie. Like, you're just a spectator fly on the wall watching this happen like it's in real life. At least that's what I've always been taught about entertainment. You know, we both worked in entertainment. But it's like, it reminded me of, like, fourth and fifth graders putting on a play where they're like, Oh, yes, Harry. Um, yes, I really would like to do that today. Or if they're, like, reading off a paper and trying to make it sound elaborative. Like, it just didn't. It's basically, like, the Power Rangers dialogue when they're like, Have a nice trip. See you next fall. But that's supposed to be cheesy. But it's, like, serious lines that sound 100% just non-realistic in the moments because they they sound like they're almost reading off a telegraph. What do you think? I'm about? with you. Like I, I I didn't like the way the acting seemed either. I'm really hopeful for the next uh, movie, <laughs> so we'll say that. But uh, to pick back up there, uh, this is one thing that we didn't see, and it's close to your point right there about Lockhart taking uh, Harry to the side when they go into herbology class when he's like, you know. I should have known it was my fault that I gave you a taste of the bug when they took our pictures and flourish and bots that you want to arrive in style. Like, that didn't happen there. But the more important part of that little scene that didn't happen is that uh, in the book it says that Professor Sprout came back with, like, like, like 
cuts and scrapes and bandages on her arms because she had to put the Whopping Willow in, like, a sling and, like, heal the Whopping Willow. We didn't get to really see that, which would have been cool, I yeah. think. Yeah, that um, would have been awesome. Yeah, and then also, like, the Mandrakes. Like, I know you like this part, but if you remember, like, in the book itself, the visual, it literally looks like an actual baby is pulled out by yeah, a human baby. Yeah, the book was awesome. Yeah, yeah like, in, in the film, it just looked like, I don't know, ginger with a face. It looked like ginger root with a face, man. Like, I don't know. It just, it didn't, I didn't love how they looked. I thought it was kind of silly because they looked like screaming babies. Uh, literally on the illustration of the chapter there, it was it, it had like a sprouted up thing that you would see from any potted plant, and when you pulled it up, it was a baby. <laughs> like, it actually looked like a human baby, so. <laughs> I, I mean, my was... only thing is, like, that'd be kind of creepy to see a baby attached to like a plant. <laughs> People yeah, can no, say it's... that's like child abuse or something. Like you're pulling them out of the ground, de-sprout. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, Maybe, I, get, I think that could have been it. Cool, but... That could have been it. And who knows like why they, they didn't do it. It's just a difference that I noticed for sure. And then uh, one more before I give it back over to you is that with the mandrakes themselves, they actually never caused Neville to pass out in the books. And mm -hmm. why I think that's really annoying for me, they want to talk about if they want to add their own little colorful flavor. This is not the right time to do it. Because if we all know one thing, Neville is very good at one subject. And it is herbology. So this is the one place where Neville is actually good at and you're going to make him pass out. That's kind of stupid. Yeah. Like, remember, yeah. he actually, like, you know, not to give away, but, like, after Hogwarts, you know, years past, he takes over that position. Like, that's mm -hmm. his... He, like, he's good at herbology, so why would you do that? I don't know. I thought that was unnecessary and kind of contradicts where the book was going with Neville. So, I don't know. I'll give it back to you, dude. No, man. Exactly what you're saying. I mean, not giving anything away, but he plays a very big role in year four, which we'll talk about at one point. Um, but uh, a big one here, speaking of big ones... Ernie McMillan's role was just omitted entirely from the film. Yeah. <laughs> like, not in there. Um, you know, remember he was talking trash, and he thought Harry was the heir to Slytherin, and he caused all those problems. That wasn't even in there. Um, also, Peeves the Poltergeist, once again, entirely omitted <laughs> from the film. Just not in there. Not in there, yeah. Um... Like I was saying uh, a couple episodes ago, Lockhart gave that test to the kids in the class. That's omitted. You actually can find it on a deleted scene. So I was okay with that because I can see, I guess, if you really got to be strict cutting things. Um, Hermione, this is a big one. In the book, never even knew what the term mudblood was. <laughs> so this goes into your point, which Hermione's my girl. You know, Granger things all day, man. <laughs> Granger things all day. But this goes into your point of they are trying to kind of blow up her character because she had never even heard what the term mudblood was. In fact, um, you know, in the book, it had to be Hagrid that brought it up to her and was like, oh, he didn't. Like, no. Well, Ron, Ron's the one that explained what it actually meant. Yeah, like, that's remember, right, yeah. Like, he, while, while he's though, puking he's like, up oh. those slugs, and then, like, Hagrid got, like, offended. He's like, oh, my gosh, no, he didn't. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. like, but Ron's the one that had to do it. Like, 
Yeah, to, to your point, like Hermione, what the heck was that all about? How would she know <laughs> what that is? She's literally born of muggle heritage. She wouldn't know that slang. You know yeah. what I mean? That's exactly. like it's like someone from a foreign country coming over here and understanding some slang words that we use in America, like right off the bat, never hearing it before. And like, Oh, they call me this. Like, well, do you yeah. know what that is? Exactly. <laughs> like, you know what, what I mean? Exactly so I, what it is. And, and they made it so dramatic. They played the melodramatic music. They had, she had tears in her eyes. It was the, <laughs> God, I gotta say this though. When she had the tears in her eyes, man. If anyone can act, it's Emma Watson out of this film. The rest of them was garbage. And and the guy that played Albus that's dead in McGonagall. They're they're really good. But uh, and Snape. The guy that played Snape, you know, always put my wand in there to that guy that one of the best, man. One of the best. But Emma Watson, man, she had the tears. They were flowing. I was like, man, at twelve years old she can really make make the tears. Like it's happening there. Good for her, man. I thought she sold it. She sold me. <laughs> sold me. Yeah. And then the next big one, and I'll pass it back to you, my favorite chapter in the book, almost the entire thing is omitted, the death day party isn't there at all. I still say, if they made that in Universal Studios, like how Disney has the Haunted Mansion, where you would kind of like ride through it, and you saw the ghosts dancing, and maybe Headless Nick welcomed you, and you go through the curtain, and you hear the nails on the chalkboard, and the music, that would be epic. But, of course, we don't even get to see it on film because no one thought it was important enough. So, with that being said, I'll toss it back over to our own Jay Miller here. Dude, yeah, and I've got a lot to say about that when I get to it. <laughs> i got a couple things over there. I uh, remember in the book, they were trying to transfigure beetles into buttons, but in the movie, it was uh, changing their animal into a teacup. Yeah. And Ron did that and it had like a teacup of Scabber's tail on it. Mm -hmm. That was cool. I like that. I, I like that was one interesting thing that they did differently in the movie than they did in the book. That was like, hey, you know what? Points for creativity. Um, other than that, the whole scene where she is first called the Mudblood by Malfoy, it was a, in the book, it was like they started a riot. Remember, everyone was trying to get at Malfoy. Like Fred and George were jumping over the pile and they're trying to hold them back. Like, and the film was so casual. He's like, he's like, show me filthy little mud blood. And then Ron's like, don't pay for that, Malfoy, eat slugs. And like, that was it. Like, in the book, it was like a scrum. Like, everyone was trying to get at him. Like, that's how you knew it was a really offensive term. Like, that's where, like, you were like, oh, shoot. Like, he must have said something real bad. But yeah. in the book, it was just, I mean, in the movie, it was just so casual. So that's a huge difference. Um not to touch on stuff we already did, but, you know, like you said, Ron's the one that know, knows a mudblood met. And it makes sense in the book that Ron would because he's a purebud family. He's been a wizard family his whole life. Harry was raised by muggles. Hermione was raised by muggles. They wouldn't know what that is. So that, that's just them, you know, doing what they're always doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and then the point about the death day party, why it's so huge is because, remember, in the book, the death day party he hears the uh, voices in the wall, right? So why is that yeah. big? Because he tries to follow it up with Ron and Hermione, and that's why they get caught at the scene of the crime with Mrs. Norris. Like, so there was a whole sequence of events. So not only is the death day party huge on its own, but it also led to the event of the very first petrified being, being Mrs. Norris. Mm -hmm. So over here, it was just like they, they took it and smushed it together and said, 
that it happened right after Harry Potter's detention with Gilroy Lockhart. He's like, I was in detention. Like, why weren't you at the feast? He's like, well, I wasn't hungry. Like, it it was, (laughs) it it sucked. It really did suck. Like, leaving that out wasn't just cool for visually effective, but, like, that was part of the lead-up to where we first find the big action happen of the first being being petrified, right? So, that was, that needed to happen. Yeah. Um, And also, the last one before I will get back to you, is they don't notice the line of spiders that quickly. Like, all of a sudden, they look over to the windowsill, and there's a line of spiders just going right out the window. It just happens just right away like that. Like, what? But uh, anyway, it's all you. (laughs) I just hated how obvious, like, things were in the film. Yes. Great way to put it. So annoying. Like, it, if, you know, here's my issue, is... If you want to give it your own flavor, that's the whole idea. Like, it's a film. You still got to make some of it your own. But don't just omit entire chapters. Like, you're just going to cut chapters out? You're talking about 30, 40 pages here. Like, just throwing stuff out. But that's just me, my opinion on it. Um, As far as this next one here, um, it's, yeah, another big one here that we're at. So I want to make sure, yeah, another huge moment that's omitted is Ron's detention. (laughs) Not even cleaning trophies or anything. None of that's there uh, at all. Um, Tom Riddle's name, it did say on the book, though, you said, right? Yeah, on on the diary, like, it was, like, inscribed on on the back of it. Gotcha. You're right. That's, like, the only place. Yep. Yeah, we should have seen that name come up right there on the trophy case. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, um, yeah, and that wasn't on the trophy. Um, we didn't even get to see the trophy. Like, or the special award badge, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. Yeah, which so, is like, ironic, you know, when they get the 400 points at the end, that they're both receiving special You mean awards. the 400 points that never come up in the movie? Never come up at all. I'm <laughs> going to bring that up at some point. But yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go with it. Like, there's worse things. So I'm like, all right, I can buy it. You Except, know. like, the House Cup needs to be awarded at the end of the year. <laughs> They're just like, mm. yeah. I know we're, just... we're getting way far ahead of ourselves. Let's, let's reroll back in. We get, we get carried oh, away back. sometimes. Roll it back. <laughs> we can bring it back. <laughs> bring it, bring yeah. it back. Bring it, bring it, bring it back. The following love... is not a test, DJ. Oh, yeah. If you follow me on Instagram, rbrow129, usually you'll see if I'm working out, I post that song, Reverse. Throw it in reverse. New girl, want to wife her. (laughs) Yeah, old school, baby, old school. Anyways, um, so the other one I have is in the film, Hermione says the writing on the wall is written in blood. They make it a big point in the book to say it's simply just red paint. Um, And that, you know, we know who put it there. But, like, they're trying, like you were saying, and I hate going against my girl, it's like they're trying to oversell something. I can't even say it's just her they're overselling here. But it's like they're trying to oversell it. Like, why do you need to oversell something? Like, this was a great book that was written. If you would just stick to the cool details, devil's in the details. That's what I always say. But, you know, what do I know? I'm not the director, you know? (laughs) I'm not the director, so. Um, Also, last one here. In the book, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, another huge one, have to get most potent potions book from the restricted section 
of the library, and Gilderoy Lockhart has to actually sign off on it. And she's like, oh, this would really help um, with your book on werewolves if you just sign off here. He's like, well, of course I will. And he goes up there and they have to get it from the restricted section. Also in the book, it really describes that, you know, like I was saying, they had that person with their insides were torn inside out, the witch with like multiple arms on her head. Like this really awesome book that would have looked cool. Not to mention the whole, just even saying restricted section, that's how you get it. It's hard to get. In the film, she just pulls a book off the shelf. It's not even the same book. Or maybe it could be. But apparently this book just lies in the middle of the library with tons of students there. Because she just picked it up off the shelf in front of everybody, handed it to Harry and says, this is how we get the polyjuice potion. This, this book I just picked off right here. Didn't even have to search for it. I just picked one randomly off the shelf and there it is. So I had a big problem with that. But uh, that's just me. So over to you, my man. Yeah, I was giving you, I know they couldn't see it, uh, you know, just listening through our podcast, but I was giving Chase like a clap because I'm glad he, he, he caught that. I was wondering if he was going to. Uh, the most potent potions thing was ridiculous. It was the same name of the book, at least. I, it was the same name, but you're right. She just looks, oh, there it is, right on the <laughs> shelf, not in the restricted section at all, when even the movie prior, The Sorcerer's Stone, showed the restricted section. Remember when he had to go in there with the lamp? So, like, it really took, you had to leave that out. That's ridiculous. Like yeah. no no student would just have regular access to potions like that. But like I'll leave that alone. So I'll <laughs> skip over that. I'll skip over that in mind now because you touched on it and you did a great job with it. So I'll go into the other ones. Um, the fact that Harry came in muddy from Quidditch practice and uh, like he had that quick conversation with nearly headless Nick and Filch took him in the office because he was like uh, had mud all over the place. Really big moment here. Not only because of like the quick spell thing that he finds on Tilch's desk, but because this also is like the build up to like the animosity between them, and that's why Filch thought Harry did that to Mrs. Norris is because he gave him a detention and like you know he saw the manacles and shackles on the walls that are like hanging there and all of that. So like that was why like you remember because even he was threatening to kill Harry in both in the book and the film. They did a good job with his lines. But there would be no reason for that Harry just to randomly attack Mrs. Norris. Like, that's what they made it look like in the movie, that he just randomly, like, Mrs. Norris was randomly chosen by Harry because that was who they were accusing, right? No. What happened is he got a detention, Filch called him into the office, stuck him in there, nearly had this Nick saved him with Peeves crashing the, the vanishing cabinet to the ground. And because of that, like, that's why Phillips thought it was Harry, because I was like, hey, you gave me detention, or you, you, you put me in this office about to write me up, well, I'm going to do this. So it's like a tit for tat, where, yeah. like, you know, in the movie, it's just like, you killed my cat, boy. <laughs> so, thought it was well, weird, well, man. Well, we are in trouble. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, and no, good stuff. The other one, too, uh, there, this, is, this is something that I thought was really interesting, is that when they're playing Quidditch, remember in the film, the bludger was like following him and stuff, and just out of nowhere, Hagrid says, that's a rogue bludger. Number one, <laughs> Hagrid wasn't even at the Quidditch, he wasn't even at the Quidditch match in the book. He wasn't even there. <laughs> so yeah, like, what's going on? Like, that was ridiculous. Like, and you're not going to be able to tell just by looking at it and just 
being like, oh, just from the stands. Remember, like, they had to, like, call a timeout because Fred and George yeah. were trying to knock it away from him multiple times. They made it make it look a big scene in the book. Like, they kept trying. They had to call a timeout. And they're like, listen, I think that we have to get this inspected. And then, you know, they just never – that wasn't the case. It was just Hagrid's like, hey, that's been tampered with. Hey. Like, okay, Hagrid. Okay, Hagrid. <laughs> and then right afterwards, what happens? When Harry lands after he catches the snitch, what does Hermione do? She blows up the bludger in the film. That doesn't happen in the book. They wrestle it back into its cage. Like, yeah. why Why yeah. do we need this to happen? So, <laughs> make it, she, they really make it, Hermione look like the greatest thing since sliced bread in the first two <laughs> movies. Like, and it's fine if that's how it happened in the book, but it's just not. So, yeah, that's I another loved big it, man. I loved it. She's great. She is the greatest thing since sliced bread, man. Maybe a cherry <laughs> on top. Maybe put some whipped cream on it. It's fantastic. My favorite part. Besides Gilderoy. I would put Gilderoy and Hermione. Probably those are your probably two per chamber. Probably the best Harry Potter characters ever created, in my opinion. Next Oh goodness. Scene. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> don't don't say it out loud because people are gonna think you're serious, bro. <laughs> but oh, some uh, of the best. Some of the best, uh, man. One last thing I'll have right here before I uh, turn it back over to you. Um is when and the, like when they talk about the Chamber of Secrets in the book, Hermione asks Professor Binns, the ghost teacher. In the movie, she asks Professor McGonagall. Dude, Professor McGonagall would never give her that story. She so plays everything close to the chest. Like, no, you don't need to know. You're a student. Don't worry about it. Like, that's McGonagall's yeah. attitude. But she's like, very well, and goes into like all the history of the chambers. McGonagall would never do that. That's just yeah. completely out of character for her. So they, they really screwed the pooch there, but I'll give it back to you, my guy. Yeah, man. No, I, I love the ones you said. Um, the other thing I was going to say about the, for my first one here, the rogue bludger, not that big of a deal. I thought it was cool in the film. They, like, actually went into the bottom of the stands. Yeah. That was really cool, and it was, like, blowing up the stands in and out. So that was pretty cool. Um, another difference here... In the book, Malfoy never really notices the snitch. Like, in the film, they made it seem like, oh, there it is, and they were both chasing for it. Like, Malfoy never even, like, sees it in the book. So I thought that was a big difference there. Trying to even blow up his character. Um, which I do gotta say in the book, he does <laughs> say when they're in the shop, you got yourself a girlfriend. But he definitely, uh... More nastier, but even in the film, they tried to make his character more blown up. Uh, the last one here, uh, about the rogue bludger as well. Um, in the film, like the... Okay, so I already said that about the stands. And you said, yeah, I was going to mention the Hermione thing. You already said that one, like Hermione like blew it up. Blowing so, up the bludger, yeah. Yeah, um, but also too, the score of the game, right, was 60-0... to zero in the book whereas in the film not that big of a difference but it was 90 to 30 so like slytherin already like scored points <laughs> before the game started so it's like here we are halfway through the match <laughs> halfway through the match already okay whereas even in the film remember like uh, mcgonagall like oh well no that was later in the film when it got canceled yeah. but yeah. like they just started it like halfway through the match okay but I, I can accept it. Like, I'm all right. Back to you, my man. Uh, let's see what I got here. Oh, one other thing I had just now that we were talking about the Quidditch. I didn't even 
really I put it down there, but it's not an important difference. Just Malfoy never falls off his broom like he does in the film. Remember he lands on his butt and gets taken to the hospital wing in yeah. the film and, and like Madame Property's like, You may go to him, like she's like stop whining basically and make him look like he's like overblowing his injury. But that just that doesn't happen. Whatever, it's cool, it's its own thing. Their own little uh, added flavor. <laughs> uh, but the next thing that we've I've got here is the uh they, when they meet Morning Myrtle in the film, they meet her when they're making the polyjuice potion in the bathroom in the film. Where in the book, they actually met her back in the death day party that they decided not yeah. to put in the movie. So, exactly. like, yeah, that, so that's an interesting part there. So that's where she first comes up in the film. I thought that was big. Then the dueling club. The dueling club, the reason that Ron and Harry were split up was not because of Ron's wand in the book. That's what Snape said in the film. Like, you know, we'll be putting, we'll be sending Potter to the hospital wing in a matchbox. <laughs> this is what he said yeah. in the film. But actually, what ended up happening is Snape doesn't want them to work together. He wanted to do like Harry versus uh, no, because he wanted. He's like, it's time to split up the dream team, boy. Yeah, <laughs> so, that was awesome. Yeah, I like I just thought that was interesting. But uh, afterwards, when we talk about the doing club, the last thing I have before we get over to you. And this is something that I think a lot of people probably missed, but it is worth notating, is after Harry speaks Parseltongue to the snake and calls it off Justin Finch Fletchley, and they bring him to the other room, in the film, what's he say? They're like, hey, did you know like, Did you know you can speak to snakes? And he says, yeah, you know, I, I spoke to a, a python last year, uh, you know, in front of my cousin Dudley on accident. So... Why is that an issue? Because number one, the snake wasn't a python; it was a boa constrictor. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, like so and cute. even in the film, in Sorcerer's Stone, the film, I went back and looked at it. It says boa constrictor on the sign in the film. So you just changed the snake from one film to the next. So I thought that was something that is worth notating. That the film, in fact, lied. He did not talk to a python in the zoo. It was a boa constrictor. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was worth notating. So I'll go ahead and pass it back to you. That's great. Yeah, I did love that line where it was like, time to split up the dream team. I actually just found it. I am going to say it because I did love it. Time to split up the dream team. I think he sneered. Weasley, you can partner with Finnegan. Potter. Here he moved automatically towards Hermione. I don't think so. Snape smiling coldly. Mr. Malfoy, come over here. Let's see what you make of the famous Potter. And you, Miss Granger, you can partner with Bullstrode. <laughs> That's so great! Time to split up the dream team. It's important <laughs> notating that that was in the book. That, that was the yeah. book, not the Yeah, film. that yeah. was the book is what yeah. that was. Yeah, that was straight the book. Um, I'll kind of catch up to you here because i uh, uh, just a little bit ahead of me, not too far. Um, I do want to say, like you were saying, you remember uh, Fred and George like kind of like had to trap the bludger and put it back in the case. Also, Harry's arm. This was a big one that we talked about uh, last episode. Um, was it like was hit by the bludger in the elbow, which really caused it to break. Not in the film, like we said, he just like fell on the ground. <laughs> That's what caused you to break your arm. So, it hit it. No, it hit him. It broke. It, the bludger broke him in the film. It hits him, but it's it's not a big moment. You can barely see it. Like he's flying on his broom, and it catches him where it's tucked in. So you can barely see it. Okay. It's easy to miss. But it, it does. It does. Like the bludger is the thing that breaks his arm in the film too. Gotcha. They should have yeah. made it more noob. Hundred percent. I agree <laughs> yeah. with you. 
Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, another one in when he's in the hospital wing, in the book, you can actually they mention what he takes. It's called Skelegro to make the bones grow. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, they even describe like how it was, you know, disgusting and and burned his throat on the way down. Whereas in the film, like, she's like, what'd you think it'd be, pumpkin juice? <laughs> it's like, all right, okay. But definitely downplayed there. Um, uh, this is when I'm kind of caught up to you here. Uh, like you were saying, you know, in the book, Hermione uh, was paired with M Millicent Bolstrode, which is a big moment for later on with the polyjuice potion. It wasn't, she just randomly got that randomly pulled it off her Right, ribs. like okay. they made a scene in the movie. You're right, very good exactly. point. Um, and, uh, like I was saying last episode, and then this gets me caught up to you, is Harry just mouths his own snake words? <laughs> like, where does that come from? Ah, see <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Did we just pull that out of our ass? Are we saying words backwards now? They said Sahara Desert backwards three times. <laughs> that snake isn't even from Africa. Those are king cobras. It was a black snake. <laughs> no, definitely. It's probably a damn garden snake that you pulled out of North America and you're over here saying Sahara Desert backwards. Makes no sense. Being sarcastic, he didn't say that backwards, but I thought it was ridiculous. They were just pulling words out of their ass on this one. So off to you, Jay Nelly. Alrighty. Uh, this was not anything really important, just some small detail that I noticed. Uh, when we find out that Nearly Headless Nick's been petrified, in the film he's actually vertical like like this, where in the book he's like horizontal like he's laying down. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was just a small little difference that I wanted to mention. Um, also, remember when that, that happens and they find Justin Finch Fletcher there, what happens in the book? Peeves actually finds him and starts screaming, attack, attack, like, everyone run for your lives, no one's safe with Potter around, like, that, you know, I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> of course, but, like, that just doesn't happen, <laughs> because there's no Peeves in any of the movies, so I thought that was ridiculous, um, and then, one thing, another one that's very, very small, and not major to the plot, but worth notating, is that Sherbert Lemon is the password in the movie to Dumbledore's office, where it's Lemon dropping the book. That mm -hmm. changes nothing. Like, why don't, like, it, like <laughs> there's no difference between saying two different words. Like, why would you not just keep it what the actual password was? I don't understand. Like, that doesn't cost you any amount of money to say the two different words than <laughs> what you said, so. Yeah. And technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's only one different word, because Sherbert Lemon and Lemon Drop, like, just, just. Do it right. I just I don't know. It bugged me. It's something small. It bugged me. I, I said what I said. But uh, I'll go ahead and, and toss it back to you. Yeah, man. She's like, Sherbert Lemon. <laughs> it just randomly turns. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't know why you got to change that stuff. It really doesn't make a big difference. Um, in the, going into this point, I'll, you covered the nearly head, headless Nick moment, which is really cool. Um, but in the book as far as Dumbledore's office um, when Harry talked to the sorting hat uh, if he put him in the right house he put it on his head like he actually like put it on his head in his book in the book in the film he just like walks up to it <laughs> it's like okay talking to it like a stranger in a bar 
<laughs> like, what the heck? All right. Like, here's, that was a big thing in the book, too, is, like, always putting on a hat to, like, get an answer because it's talking to the person that the head is on. Otherwise, inside it's their head. to anybody. Yeah, it's talking to inside the head. Yeah, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. with you. Um, the, like I, I said, the polyjuice potion is a lot more descriptive in the books. It actually even changes color, which is a big one, uh, for each potion that they drink. Um, in the film, I thought it was cool that they, like, dropped their glasses and were like, ugh, or their beakers, whatever it was in, and they crashed. I thought that was cool. Um, but it was definitely downplayed. We already talked about Hermione's robes, but, um, the scene where we talked about this a little bit yesterday, like, Harry and Ron, like, try to give the desserts. In the book, it was, like, chocolate um cakes whereas in the film it was just cupcakes with chocolate icing on it well two big things and the biggest one i'll bring up last that we talked up yesterday about this so yeah in the film they just like wave a spell and it's floating in front of them okay whereas in the book they put them actually on the banisters and they omit the entire part where like they put them in the cupboard <laughs> in the in the book like in the film they're just like eating them and then fall asleep or something um which you would think someone would say something and they just saw like crab and boil like asleep in the middle of the hallway like that would kind of ruin part of the plan <laughs> i'm assuming but yeah so i thought that was kind of a big one but after you man yeah, that was a big one, because who in the world, even people as dumb as Crab and Goyle, are just going to eat food that's floating in front of their face. Like, oh, <laughs> look at these right here. Let me just eat it. Like, yeah, I'm with you. Um, so a couple things I've got bef before that for me. Um, let's see. Oh, this is a big part, because this, this sets up later on for, uh, like, when they're in Dumbledore's office, Hagrid comes bursting in. This is something I should have brought up earlier, but I'll bring it up now because it's kind of in the same spot. But remember in the book, like, Hagrid is, like, bringing in, like, the big old uh, Christmas trees and has interaction with Harry there right before he finds the people petrified. So the reason why that's a big deal is because in the office, like, in the book, like, in the movie, Dumbledore, or, I'm sorry, Hagrid just goes charging into Dumbledore's office for no reason. Because yeah. they never had that interaction. He's like, I would swear it in front of the ministry. But like, Hagrid, you wouldn't know. You weren't there in the movie. In the book, there was a reason for it. He was he was right with them. He said he wouldn't have had time to turn around like from where I was just talking to him to that. So like, Hagrid, you can't just bust down the door and just take his side without any evidence. That just looks ridiculous. So I yeah. thought the film really fell short there. Um, 100%. 100%. Yeah, and like what you said too about the hat, I'll just really talk about it. Like he just basically was talking to the hat like it was a person sitting at a corner bar that you're trying to have <laughs> a conversation with. Like there's no reason for that. Like that whole thing is you put it on your head. So yes, that was big. Uh, two more things I want to talk about real quick is when they took the polyjuice potion, in the book, their voices change with the bodies. Yeah. In the movie, they had to like fake their voices which yeah. is kind of silly. I think that was more of like a technology, like a technology thing for back there. I don't know. Maybe they had a hard time doing that, or maybe they just think, didn't think it was important. But that's the whole point. And why I think that's important is because that's how well the polyjuice potion works. And the thing is, they kind of, in a way, screw themselves over because 
you know, what happens later, you know, I'll say in uh, movie number seven, in the very, very beginning, part one, the very, very beginning when, you know, stuff happens, like, I just, it's just all over the place. But Polyjuice Potion is an amazing potion that may, really makes you that person, right? Yeah. So, why would I don't it know. even be a technology thing, though? Because why would you I know. just film this scene with actually Crab and Goyle? Perfect. Yeah, that's a really great point. <laughs> like that's that was, what I would have done. Yeah, plot hole on Jay and Ellie there. Jay's just filming in for us. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm not the director, so <laughs> I don't know. Um, going off on that scene there, that was perfect transition because my next one was uh, with Draco. Like, to piss Ron off more, but he doesn't know it's Ron. But how messed up he is, what an asshole. He throws down the article where Arthur Weasley is getting fined. That was kind of a big deal. And remember, he was, you know, uh, he definitely went into that. Um, which I guess he did go into a little bit about, you know, the person that died and stuff. But, like, most of that was entirely omitted. So that was a big one. Um, the next one that I did have was... Um, so in the book, like when Harry and Ron are realizing, not a big one, that they're turning back to normal though, it's Harry realizes Ron's red hair and nose is getting long. Whereas in the film, like he sees Harry's scar going into place, scar, and then uh, Harry realizes it's Ron's red hair. So like they change that. Um, then in the book, one cool moment, because my boy Gilderoy... And my girl, Hermione, my two favorite people, Gilderoy over here, sending get well soon cards to Hermione Granger. Just 100% omitted. Not even there. Um, it was actually, here's what's cool. I did find this out. It was in the original script, and they just cut it out. <laughs> like, didn't even film it. Just took it out of the script. They're like, why'd you even put that in the book, Joanna? Of art sucked. <laughs> We're just gonna go ahead and write omitted, omitted, JK. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, in the book, uh, last one I'll do here, uh, Professor Benz, this was a big one I was talking about, was explaining the Chamber of Secrets. While in the film, it's McGonagall, and Professor Benz was like trying to like not explain it to him. It was like, well, this is a history class, so I go off things that are actually facts. And then Hermione Granger kept putting up her hand. was like, well, well. And then, but maybe it was based on facts. And he's like, well, you got a point. All right, where were we? Chamber of Secrets. Okay, it happened then. First in the film, McGonagall's just like, okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> Let me go ahead and tell you about this monster. <laughs> Let me go ahead and creep out these 12-year-olds. Just wanted you guys to know. Look to the man on your right and the woman on your left because one of you will be purged this year. <laughs> like, and so messed up. Do you know the crazy part about that, too? Remember, and, like, this was pretty spot on between the book and the movie, so it wasn't a difference, but, like, mm -hmm. McGonagall knows the Chamber of Secrets is real because what does Dumbledore tell her? The Chamber yes. of Secrets has indeed been opened again. So she knows that it's real. She's not just going to be like, yeah, so here's the story about it, folks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 100%. All you, man. Cool. Uh, all the things I've got here when we go back to when they're, you know, 
going to Malfoy's common room in the Slytherin common room, I should say, not Malfoy's, he doesn't own it, but <laughs> uh, he's probably got enough money to, but anyways, they don't, they, they don't interact with uh, Penelope Clearwater, remember in the book She Walks Past, and the reason I put that in there is because that's why Percy was in the area too, because of their little mm-hmm. thing going on, so just something small there, nothing too crazy. But uh, in the in the movie, they argued about like because uh, remember that he got Harry all up in his feelings, and Malfoy said like Dumbledore's the worst thing that ever happened to Hogwarts, and he's yeah. like, "You're lying." <laughs> he's like, "He's like, you think there's someone worse?" Then he's like, "Harry Potter, like that never happened in the book." Like, sure, yeah. it's own flavor, fine, I'll give it to it. I just thought that was super cheesy. That's exactly right, down. Like that was very very cheesy. Um, First of all, I don't even understand it, though. It's not like they're even really close to him. Like, okay, I get it. Dumbledore, like, put Harry on the doorstep with McGonagall before he's born. Not like he really remembers that. First of all, Dumbledore, in these first two books and films, over here chasing down the Ministry of Magic and getting suspended, he's not even half there. It's not even like they're that close to the guy yet. Yeah, they get really close, don't get me wrong. 100% 100% think so on that. But I'm talking specifically these two books and films, and they're acting like the greatest... He is the greatest thing on Earth since Michael Jackson did the moonwalk. Like, they've never seen anything like it before. I don't understand it, man. Like, I'd be like... Say you have a professor that someone's like, oh, man, they're just awful. They're terrible. I can't pass any of work. They're just... I can't wait till they get replaced. Or, like, my boss is just, tr- like, trash. Awful, right? And someone's saying that. Well, that person's not going to be, like, even if they have, like, a boss like that, they'd be like, well, I've never really had a problem with them. Like, no one's going to be like, no, you didn't. Oh, no, sir. Absolutely not. <laughs> like, no, especially a 12-year-old. You think a 12-year-old is going to really be like, oh, this old man is great. He is fantastic. Uh, I'll I'll semi-contest that point because keep in mind, Harry had no idea who or what he was and Albus Dumbledore was the one that first sent him the letter to invite him to be a wizard in the first place at the school. Uh, And then, like, also he gives him his father's cloak, gave him the first real present from his dad. Like, that's the first real awesome present he ever got, period, in his life. And then... What happened after the Sorcerer's Stone, like, he starts telling Harry a little bit more about it. He, he definitely felt a draw to Dumbledore from the very beginning. Um, so I, I could see why that this would happen, but I just thought it was cheesy. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess you're right about that part. Yeah, Dumbledore sent the letter, but he didn't even write it for him. He had to have McGonagall write the letter for him. Do the work, McGonagall. <laughs> Go and send it. I got a plane to catch. Plane to the ministry, even though I can fly on a broom. Okay. I'm just kidding. It's all you, man. Good stuff. That's all I have for that part there. Uh, one thing I wanted to, to make note of as well is that, uh, remember when they found the diary in Moni Merle's bathroom, and yeah. Ron gave that huge warning about, like, how it could be cursed or a big issue, and it came out mm-hmm. to be true? Well, in the movie, he just lets him pick up the book willy-nilly. He's like, oh, man, look at that book right there. You should pick it up, Harry. Go ahead and take yeah. it with you. So, that's <laughs> the last one I wanted to shit, shit, man. Yeah, this yeah. one's wallet on the ground. Let's grab it. No cash in it, but I did find the wallet. (laughs) 
No, that's it. That's it. Uh, that's the one I wanted to leave off with before I threw it back on to your side over there. Just uh, no warning whatsoever from Ron. He just said, "Ooh, look at there! It's a book. I'm just gonna take it. <laughs> <laughs> take it and take it and take it all." Yeah, hundred percent. I'm surprised you didn't bring this one up because you really like the scene. Uh, the Valentine's Day breakfast was omitted with the dwarves, and he put Gilderoy Lockhart put wings well, keep, on him. Keep in mind, like that was that comes up next because if you think about the timeline of events, remember he rips open the bag and the mm -hmm. diary falls out. So we already had the diary at that point. That was actually my next thing going in oh, afterwards. Okay, got um, Man, I'm just sorry. Got, I stole that one. Oh, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. But yeah, it was just a timeline of events because he didn't have like he had to get the diary before it could be ripped out of his uh, backpack. Remember? Gotcha. So yeah, 100%. yeah. Um, I did want to say about the diary in the book. It's scarlet ink versus in the film, it's just random black ink. So not that big of a deal, but I thought it was cool. Good catch. Um, uh, the memory of Tom Riddle is kind of a big one <laughs> in the book. The guy I was telling you about last episode, uh, Professor Dippet, is like who he comes like into play after like he's like sucked into this memory. And he's watching Tom Riddle talk to old Professor Dippet. That was before Albus Dumbledore. And this one in the film like takes place almost similar almost like it started halfway through like because in the book like he runs into a younger albus on the stairs and that's like kind of when this film started but also in the film they see like myrtle's body falling off the stretcher and then i just thought the way the scene with hagrid played out was ridiculous compared to how it was described in the book like, he was, like, just randomly... First of all, can we talk about this is the, like, only time they ever mentioned Hagrid was suspended. And they just want to throw it in there. Like, you just haven't built up the audience at all that's never read the books. And then you're just like, that's why you were suspended, Hagrid. That's why. <laughs> like, you gotta let him go. Yeah, so I thought it was kind of ridiculous. The book, though, was fantastic. Um... You know, and that was really when it was starting to build up because you were finding out all these secrets and thinking Hagrid was the one that opened the Chamber of Secrets. Um, not intentionally to hurt anybody, but, you know, because Aragog, you thought he was the monster in there, uh, which we wound up being different. So I thought it was a big scene there. But back to you, my man. Now yeah, see the chalice, uh, so the by the way. Yeah. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, cheers, brother. So I'll I'll kind of I'll uh, spike that serve that you gave me with the Valentine's Day there now. <laughs> Good stuff. Because that was the next thing there. So basically, with the Valentine's Day, it was really interesting because in the book, Lockhart, this was his, this was your guy's time to shine, man. He made the whole Great Hall. Uh, very, very pink. He was wearing elegant robes for it. He hired dwarves to look like baby cupids to deliver like love messages to their admirers <laughs> and all of that stuff. So they just they didn't do that at all. And this would be a really good time to show like Lockhart having his his uh, moment in the sun, if you will. Uh, so I just thought that was it. It would have been cool, especially like when they start bringing up new creatures that it, like they don't hear about ever again mm -hmm. like, you can't just leave it out like that's this is the one yeah. time we see the dwarves and like you know the little tiny dwarf things and they're not like 
the Lord of the Rings dwarves where they're, they're hammering stuff underground and they're great miners. Like, it's a completely different type of dwarf. So it was interesting. You can't just leave it out. But yeah. no, I thought that was interesting. Uh, then, like, like, exactly what you said, too, about the Tom Riddle's memory. He was talking to Armando Dippet, which was the headmaster back in 50 years ago, where, like, and this is, this is the main point I'm bringing up about this, because, like, you touched on the difference, and it is a difference, but what it seems to me, and it's been a notorious thing, at least in movie one and movie two, is they have no depth for, like, side characters. Yeah. It's only, they only really focus on the main characters in the movies. Like, the supporting yeah. characters mean nothing to them in the films, at least in one and two. I'm hoping as we go into, you know, Azkaban and, and, and beyond, that changes. But that's really what it, the crux of it comes down to, to me, is that they just, they act like the supporting characters don't exist or do anything cool, and it's only, like, the core main six or seven, you know what I mean? So Yeah. Do you think know. it's because... And this goes into the acting as well. Um, with it sounding rehearsed and that sort of thing. Do you think it's because, one, they're really trying to build up these three? Because, keep in mind, they wanted to make this a franchise. And we go back to 2000 and 2002, when this first thing started. You know, there's been multiple things that have started that they were trying to create as a franchise that just didn't work. So, do you think it's because, one, yes, these were some of the first actual characters we really grew up with, like, watched them grow up through these films. Like, one, because it's like they're actually, you know, I think they're a little older than 12 here, <laughs> but you can still see they are at a young age, right? And two, is it because the director was really trying to sell them to make audiences familiar with these books. Because keep in mind, when Sorcerer's Stone, the movie came out, and then you had Chamber of Secrets in 2002, you know, Harry Potter, the book, yes, I mean, it came out early on, but didn't it come out in, like, 1996? Like, it really hadn't been out that long to make itself super known. I wouldn't say it really got well-known. I mean, it was really starting to get known at this point, but it really got well-known when, like, Prisoner of Azkaban, ironically, um, that we're going into at some point, that and Goblet of Fire. I still remember when the Goblet of Fire book came out. I was, um... Yeah, I, I think it was. It was, like, 98, 99, maybe? So it was, like, right before these two films came out. So my question to you is, do you think it's because they were really trying to focus on these three characters to make audiences worldwide familiar with them, and it's because of their age that acting sounds so much different than from what we, you know, hopefully we start to break down, you know, in like Deathly Hallows in the later films? I don't know, maybe. Uh, the only thing I had, because like, Goblet of Fire, I believe, came out in 2001, and I don't, don't quote me on that, but I think that because I remember the first time I read Goblet of Fire was when I was in fourth grade, and I know right. fourth grade is when the Twin Towers happened in New York City, like the, the bombing, like the planes flying in the Twin Towers, so I think it was 2001 when the Goblet of Fire came out, um, but I just, I, I was already hooked on Harry Potter, 
I don't, I, mean, I can't speak for the rest of the world because I just don't know, but it was a big part of what I was already, you know, reading mm-hmm. and getting into. So, uh, I don't really have an answer. Maybe that that's, I, I think maybe that, because if you think about it on the flip side too, no one really read the Game of Thrones books, you know, yeah. people really, really kind of hit with the TV series when it came out and those children actors did just fine, you know, comparatively. So, yeah, you know. got a really good point there. And yeah. I got to give HBO credit for that because it's not even just Game of Thrones. Like, I feel like almost every series they do, <laughs> like Game of, not just Game of Thrones, but HBO, whether it's a child actor or not, does really well in casting from what yeah. I've seen. They do. They do a really good yeah. job in casting. Um, and yeah, I looked it up. You were very close. July 8th, 2000 is when Goblet of Fire came out. And then the Sorcerer's Stone, so it was released in UK as a Philosopher's Stone, June 26, 1997, and released in the United States, uh, September 1st, uh, 1998. So June 26, 1997 for the Philosopher's Stone in the UK. Uh, Like I've said before, you know, J.K. Rowling changed the title to appeal more to American readers because she thought they would associate it more with philosophers like a textbook. Um, and it released in September 1998, United States. So, man, that that's crazy. Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Like, maybe it's just, maybe the director just wasn't very good on these. Which, keep in mind, the director winds up changing so many times in this franchise. But um, yeah, I'll let you let you uh, take it over, man. Uh yeah, just just a couple more things here from me before I you know I get back on to your side here. Remember when they uh, canceled the Quidditch match? Like Ron came up to Professor McGonagall and she's like, "Yeah, you know what? Better you better come too, Mister Weasley." Where in the film, it's like she went out of her way to find Ron. Like we need mm-hmm. to get Mister Weasley here too. You know, like she was mm-hmm. there to make Harry come with her. So it's like they they really they really pumped up. In the book, Harry's friendship with Hermione there, and then when Ron came up, like, "Hey, what's going on?" He's like, "Yeah, you know what, Weasley, you better come too." Where yeah. in the film, she's yeah. like, "We need Mr. Weasley." <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. 100%. And Definitely. another part that's an issue with that is that Hermione, this doesn't come up in the film, and this is literally the part where she solves the mystery. Like when she's like, "I think I've solved it," and she goes off to the library to find everything. That just doesn't happen. They go right from one area to like the Quidditch pitch. Like, mm-hmm. she doesn't say, oh, I've got to go to the library quick. I think I've got it, like she does in the book. It's, she just, like, they go from one scene to Quidditch, like, oh, Quidditch is canceled. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, Harry, or Hermione got petrified. Why that's so important is in the book, it made it seem like, like she knows the answer now, but now they can't get the answer out of her because she's petrified. So, like, yeah. it's uh, that was something that was a real big difference, and you can't mess that up because it messes with the whole plot line. So, uh, over to you. Um, yeah, I was going to say, um, just on the Quidditch match, like I kind of said before, remember in the book, she like announces it on a megaphone when they're already in the air, uh, versus like you were saying in the film, they're like about to start the match. She's like, it's canceled. Christmas is canceled this year. (laughs) Yeah. And they all like disperse. Um, the next one I was going to say, Penelope Clearwater. And Hagrid's roosters that are destroyed or killed are omitted, <laughs> just omitted from the film. Don't even reference that at all. Um, in the book, 
Harry and Ron, of course, they see the spiders uh, in the herbology <laughs> class, whereas in the film, they're just like seeing them in Hagrid's hut. <laughs> like, okay, there they are. Follow the spiders that are somehow just randomly appear in my hut because I don't clean, even though I was just standing here. And I, y'all just arrived, but you have said something about the spiders when I saw you for the first two minutes. Okay. Um, then in the book, uh, Ron, of course, I wanted to bring this up. Isn't really like the film. In the film, I felt like he was a big scaredy cat. <laughs> Me and a big pansy, man. Like, didn't, like, he's always like, why could not be, why couldn't we have followed butterflies? That wasn't in the book at all. Like, I don't recall that at all in the book. Um, and then uh, in the book as well, uh, Harry, this is a big one, Harry, Ron, and Fang go to Aragog in Aragog's lair where they're taken there by the spiders versus, of course, in the film, they just, like, walk there on their own and it's just Harry and Ron and they're choosing to, like, go find this lair and randomly find some massive spider lair in the middle of the forest by walking there. So, that's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty big. Like, there was like, those moments I have there, too. There was one I wanted to mention right before that. Remember when they, like, bust down to Hagrid's door, like, Harry Ron, like, knocking on it, and he opens it with a crossbow? Yeah. Like, when they enter, in the film, they, they ask... You know, he's like, Hagrid, hey, do you know who opened the Chamber of Secrets? That's what they say in the movie, but that just didn't happen in the book. Like, that that's just something... I don't know. I just thought that was... It's, it sat wrong with me. But then you're right. That that's a big point, is they saw the line of spiders in the herbology class, and they didn't follow it right away. They said they looked at the, tra the trajectory of where the line of spiders is going and determined it was going to be in the Forbidden Forest. And then they gathered themselves, got the visibility cloak, and then went down later after they planned it. Where in the movie, they're just like, okay, well, everyone's gone. Look at spiders. Let's go now. Like, yeah. it was like, <laughs> what in the world? How does that make sense? So, big, big issue with that. Uh, and then to what you, the point you said as well with the car, it meets up with them before they get to Aragog in the book. And instead of, like, you know, them finding their way to Aragog's lair and then it driving them out of there. So... That's just something that I thought it was it was better, I think, in the book than it was in the movie. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because they were trying to follow the little tiny like one, like looking at the spiders, and it was getting harder for them to move, and they they thought they were lost, and then it really set the scene for the car to make its appearance there. So I thought that's uh, something that should have been put in there because it doesn't take much to do it, right? Yeah. And then. It reminded. Oh, sorry. Not to not to interrupt you. That's all you. Oh, just this last this last one, and it's it's all you, man. Uh, remember when they they were there and they got circled up by the spiders in the film? And Ron's like, "Do you know like, any spells?" And he's like, "Not any for this amount of spiders." And he's like, <laughs> "Where's Hermione when you need her?" That just never happened in the book at all. We're just gonna add even more importance to Hermione. Oh, we need Hermione to save us with a big spell that can knock away. Uh, spiders the size of cart horses and small elephants. Okay, all right. We, we, thing, we need twelve. Baby. We need twelve-year-old Hermione here with us. All right, Ron. Whatever. <laughs> She's, don't so, be jealous, man. Don't be. I just jealous, the thing baby. is, like, I'm totally all for it. I like Hermione as a character, and she does grow very, very important in the books. 
but they're just trying to throw it on us in the movie, and it doesn't sit well with me. Don't force her on me. Like, let it come gradually like it does in the book. It's very, very frustrating. So, it's... Okay, it's, uh, I do have to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, over uh, to you. You you go ahead and take it from here. Yeah, no, I, I gotta agree with your point there. <laughs> that was a, a very good point on that one. Um, one thing I did want to bring up, this isn't that big of a deal, but Aragog's mate... Uh, Mosag yeah. was mentioned in the book. Good call, Not man. mentioned at all, because that was a big point, too, because he was saying, you know, Hagrid helped me even bind my mate. Mosag, I guess is how it was pronounced. Um, but that wasn't mentioned at all. Um, in the book, too, uh, I felt like the... Also, like, when they're about to be attacked by the spiders, and he's like, how could I deny them fresh meat? It was so much more played out to me of, like, the fear they felt. Like, Harry was, like, thinking he knew they were about to die. Like, this was it. Like, he was even describing, like, he could do a spell, but, like, there's no way, like, he could take all of them out. Whereas in the film, remember, he was like, yeah, I got a, I got one I know. I know one spell. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was a big moment there. Um, the chamber was really cool in the book, I would say. Uh, it was described, remember when they saw Jenny, it had two entwined serpents with green eyes. Uh, and in the film, it had like seven snakes on each side. And then instead of the book where it had like the full statue of like Salazar, like you have like a half head of like what you assume is Salazar, but it, Looked more like Zeus to me. <laughs> he had some massive beard. They couldn't even make the beard like snakes. <laughs> like, yeah, I, thought it, I thought it looked like Poseidon, the god of the sea. That's yeah. what I thought it looked like. But, yeah, that, that's it. I knew it looked like some Greek mythology thing, but I was not sold on it, man. I, I wasn't sold on it. So I'll let you take it from there. Cool, that, which is kind of great because I, I actually have a lot of points in between there that you didn't cover so i'm going to touch on real quick so it might cool. take me a couple minutes to get to it, catch up to you but there's some yeah. good ones that i think are, are are really really enjoyable so this one here they don't just go to visit hermione after the forest like they do in the movie like okay we just got out of there and they go visit her because they miss her no remember in the book what they did is they tricked lockhart into leaving them so they could go into the bathroom with moaning myrtle to ask her what happened? Then McGonagall caught them, and they had to come up with a story that they wanted to go visit Hermione, yeah. and then she gave them permission to. So exactly. like, there's a whole sequence of events that just left it out. Like, you gotta, you gotta do it right, man. You gotta do it right. <laughs> um, also, uh, they hide in the staff room wardrobe in the book. Like, they they're in the staff room and they're hiding because they wanted they want to tell them what happened. But then that's when she went over and made the announcement to the whole school, like. Everyone go to your common rooms and dormitories immediately. All teachers meet in the staff room, you know, to talk this stuff over. So, like, they were already waiting in the staff room for it, but then they, they, they climbed in because they wanted to hear what they had to say because that was the, the big issue. Where in the movie, they were just in the hall and they were peeking around a corner like, hee, hee, hee. <laughs> like, what <laughs> in the world was that? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. That was ridiculous. Um, and then when they go to, to confront Professor Lockhart, about, you know, when they go there and they're going to give him the information about the Chamber of Secrets and then they confront him because he's about to just bounce out of there and peace out. In the book, Harry actually disarms him, uses the Expelliarmus and disarms him, 
where in the movie they put their wands up to him and he just kind of like gives up which is yeah. like what okay <laughs> like this this grown this grown man can't overpower two 12 year olds okay yeah. like so i thought that was kind of ridiculous um and then oh this is yeah harry didn't just speak parcel tongue on command like in the movie he just looked at it and was like blah, blah, blah. like he actually didn't do it right the first time and that's where we learn he has to make believe in his head that the snake is real to be able to mm -hmm. even speak to it so the exactly. fact that they just just didn't leave that they thought that detail wasn't important didn't sit well with me either and then two more things before i'm at the statue of slytherin is uh in the movie they characterize the snakeskin as 60 feet long yeah that was a big one yeah in the book it was 20 feet long so like i thought that was really interesting that they decided to go 40 extra feet just double like they literally tripled the size of what they said it was in the book which is fine i guess because it adds even more to it that's their own little flavor but it's just a small detail where if you're not paying attention maybe you can miss it um and like this is the one you said like the the different doors to the main chamber like you said like in the book they were they were like facing each other and it, it, in my mind i thought it looked cooler than just like snakes on like a half thing and they all come down a little bit bunny opens it and then just lastly before now that we're caught up because this will catch us up right here as the the statues characterized different in the book than it is in the movie in the book it's his full memory because like she was laying down by yeah. the gray stone feet like he was supposed to be this really tall giant mm -hmm. statue you know and like that's what made it even creepier when the basilisk came out of the mouth they came down his body of the statue like where like you said it was just almost like a mural it looked like a, yeah. a mural of poseidon the god of the sea <laughs> like you know what i mean so it's uh, like, what it, is this yeah uh, that catches me up with you, so uh, take it away. Yeah, definitely. I gotta say, the Chamber of Secrets game was really cool back in the day for the PlayStation 2. That was really cool, so just throwing that in there. Um, yeah, so at this point, the difference I have is... So, it was cool. I thought it was really cool the way they did it, but kind of ridiculous. Um so in the book, the fight scene with the basilisk, like, when it comes out, like, it's very clean. Like, in the film, it's, like, slamming into shit. Like, it's, like, running into things, knocking, like, stuff over. And in, like, the, in the book, there was pillars it describes, almost like columns that were there. Like, I kept thinking almost like it was, like, almost like, um... Not the Parthenon. <laughs> you know, like the uh, ancient city of like Greece and Rome with like the columns and stuff were there. That's what I kind of almost pictured it as. And like this other place looked like a sewer, man. But uh, gotta say though, go back on what I said last week and a couple weeks ago. It would be awesome if you saw that in Universal and the first thing you see, like they make you. They basically bring you down this hole into the universal haunted house of Chamber of Secrets. And the first thing you see is a 60-foot snakeskin and the animal bones. And you're just hearing noises and you see, like, something at the end of the hall, which is that, like, door. That would be awesome. That would be epic. Yeah, and, um, then, like, when they pull out the, like, you know how the basilisk has the stare with the eyes and it can, like, it's supposed to kill you. Like, they'd shoot, like, really heavy, like, floodlights at you to blind you, kind of, like, when it comes be, out of it. That'd be awesome. Awesome. It would be so sick. Ah, uh, it would be awesome. 
I don't know, man. I don't know how we come up with these ideas. <laughs> these ideas. Yeah. Watch. A couple of years. Well, <laughs> you're like, hmm, I remember saying, thinking that would be a great idea. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, next couple ones here I got is uh, in the book, you know, Fox, when he uses his, tear, his tears to heal Harry, like Harry's like, there and he's she's like using the tears and Tom Riddle's like, uh, see what you did? Like she's crying now. She's crying. And Tom Riddle's like still alive in the book. In the film, like Tom Riddle's already dead. And she like just comes over and he's like, Oh yeah, that's right. Cause your healing powers, that's why. And I was like, okay, this is kind of cheesy. Also in the book. Harry um, puts on the sorting hat that we talked about and is crying like, help me, help me. And then the long sword that it describes like hits him on the head and he pulls it out. Like it's not just laying on the ground where this like sword just appears inside this hat out of thin air. Which I gotta give props to JK Rowling because that's such a cool idea going off the whole irony of, you know... <laughs> Pulling objects out of a hat like an actual magician would do. That's so genius. Like, that that was awesome. I thought it was cool. Off to you, man. Cool. Uh, for me, the way Fox even arrives in the chamber was different. Remember, he, like, landed on Harry's shoulder. And, like, oh, like first he came in, like, with a song. And, like, Harry felt his heart, like, swelling to two sides, like, a couple sizes. Like, he felt confident and more courage. And, then, like, it landed on his shoulder and gave him, like, a squeeze on there and drop like the hat in front of him like in the movie he just like drops the hat off and flies back around and just does his own little got yeah. like lollygagging thing um then i also said this i i exaggerate a lot but i said harry doesn't run a marathon from the basilisk in the book <laughs> like he, he like in the movie he's just running like you see him with his arms perfect form harry on the track meet just running away and you know, especially remember in the book when it says it can still smell you? Well, apparently in the movie, when it's in front of his face, it can't smell him then. All it hears is that rock that gets thrown out the thing. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So, thought that exactly. was a big pile of hot garbage. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, they should have reenacted Run Forest Run. She already had Jenny there. I love you, Jenny. Run, Harry! Run! Literally should have just reenacted it. That's what they should have done. And to your point, too, about, like, you know, the sword doesn't just appear in the hat when he looks down at it. You know, this is the, re the only thing I'm going to add to what you said about him pulling on the hat and when he says, help me, is remember that, like, it echoes what Dumbledore had said earlier. He said, that, you know, the help will always be given at Hogwarts to those who ask for it. So what was Harry doing? He was asking for help from the Sorting Hat, and then boom, there comes the sword dropped on his head. Yeah. Like that's that was an important part, guys. We can't leave these things out. Um, then, like instead, uh, in the film, Harry doesn't just take the diary from Ginny, Ginny's body. Fox actually swoops up the uh, is the one who throws the diary to him. So, like, you remember, yeah. like, he like, throws it to him, and he stabs it from there. Like, in, the, in the movie, he's just like, oh, the diary just laying in Jenny's arm. I'm just going to take that real quick and stab <laughs> it five is. times, where, like, to your point, I think you said this last week, you know, like, 
he only stabbed it once, really good, right through the cover, all the way through in the in the um, book. So I guess maybe they had to add dramatic effect. That's fine, whatever. Stab it as yeah. many times as you need to, Harry. Go ahead and kill that diary, man. And then, um, yes, Fox heals Harry before he kills the diary, and Riddle was still alive. You know, so that was the difference. That that would happen in the book and in the movie. You know, he heals him afterward. It was just, it was all. All ridiculous. Um, so, yes, that will take me right there. I'll, I'll pass it back over to your side uh, to take us from when we leave the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, man. I just keep thinking about <laughs> that basilisk and I was running. <laughs> oh, that's great. Anyways, uh, I'm still actually in the Chamber because one thing I was going to say is, um, you know, the... I was going to say, it's not really a difference, but if they had left the ink scarlet, it would have looked more like blood when Harry was stabbing through it. Like, that would have looked so much cooler than just ink going everywhere. Um, then you really could have been like, it's blood on the walls. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyways, um, but it did describe in the book as, like, Riddle's memory had faded away versus in the film... Remember his, like, chest cavity we talked about last week, like, ripped open. I felt like I was watching Pirates of the Caribbean 4 or Raiders of the Lost Ark again when someone, like, blows up or Hocus Pocus, you know, with, um, Sarah Jessica Parker or, like, the other girl there where they, like, get hit by the sun. That's what I felt like it was. Um... And also the basilisk with the diary. It brushed the diary towards him. It didn't just, like, show up there. Like you were saying, like, it just happens to be there. Where he was lying. Like, I know Fox dropped off the hat. She didn't drop off the diary, too. Or Fox is a boy, whatever. Yeah, Fox good call. Is. The basilisk sweep the diary into his arm with the, the flail of its uh, yeah. tail there. Yeah, good call. Um, so the second one I'll say is... Um, after the battle, you know, they're in actually McGonagall's office. They're not in Dumbledore's. Uh, so that was a big difference. Whereas, like, in the film, they're just, like, Dumbledore's office again. Um, the next one I'll say is, uh, in the book, remember, Harry is, like, accusing Lucius, like, deliberately in the book, like, calling him out on it um, for getting Ginny the diary and, like, putting it in there at Flourish and Bots. Whereas, like, he didn't accuse him at all. Like, he didn't call him straight out on it like he did in the film. Kind of like how we were saying, like, a true friend, like, calls that person out and sticks up for him. Like, in the film, he's just, like, trying to play good cop, bad cop, <laughs> trying to get to the point. So, I'll let you take it from there. Uh, for me, this is what I've got here after the chamber is that, uh, they received 200 points for Gryffindor each in the book. And they just decided in the movie that the house cup doesn't matter at all. And they're just <laughs> going to leave it out. So I thought that was kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, also, the sword is described very differently. So it almost looks like a broad sword in the movie like just a long slender sword that almost you would find in game of thrones yeah type of deal, yeah where really cool yeah in the book it's described like, it almost looks like a pirate sword in a way if you see it and it said there was like rubies the size of eggs on them and the illustration of it 
that you can see on the title of a chapter called Dobby's Reward, you can see what it's supposed to look like in the illustration there. It looks like a, like, it's not like a straight yeah, sword. Yeah. It's like kind of curved down and it has the rubies in it. Like not just one at the end, it has multiple rubies the size of eggs on it and it yeah. looks really cool. So Yeah, sorry, that that's what I meant when I said really cool. I was referring to the book. I didn't realize you were going to bring up the film ones first. But yeah, I mean, you can even see it just so the, I know people listening on the podcast, but if you just pick up a Chamber of Secrets book, like Josh and I both have it on our end, if you just look on Harry's belt, it's right there. Like, it looks like something in Pirates of the Caribbean. So that was a really good point you made. But after you, keep going, man. Yeah, so uh, the one I have here, and this is just something I, I didn't like because of how it sounded. I know this is something that's not a big difference, per se. But remember Lucius Malfoy says, well, let's hope Mr. Potter will always be around to save the day. And Harry is like, don't worry, I will be. I just thought that was stupid and cheesy. Yeah. Like, what the heck? In the what? I don't know. But again, That's we gotta think about it for its time. It was two thousand and whatever when this came out. So I just yeah. got so sick of the cheesiness. Like, if you're Power Rangers, it's supposed to be that way. Have a nice trip. See you next fall. Hey, where's <laughs> Rocky? It's getting a little rocky up in here. Like, yeah, because it's like a comic book or it's on TV. It's supposed to be for like four year olds. Like, no, this was made for, like, all audiences, but it also PG, and later ones PG-13, like, like, why do you have to, like, why don't, like, you're omitting half the book anyways, why can't you just omit that? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, they just wanted yeah. to, to sound, like I said, they, they, it was very cheesy, but it was a kid's movie, I guess, we gotta think of it, like, we're just being, we are very hard critics on stuff, but like, that's what, that's what we're here to do. We're here to break it down in the way that yeah. we see it. You know, maybe other people saw it differently. This is the way you and I, you know, take a look at it. And then, uh, get one more down, thing. Boogie. <laughs> just, get uh, down, boogie. <laughs> yeah. I've got cool. this last point here and then I'll give it to you. And then I've got three more that would, they'll close me out anyways. I don't have, I don't know how many more you've got, but this last one I'll have before I throw it back to you is like when Malfoy says prove it in the book, Dumbledore actually interjects and he says, well, that would be impossible, Lucius. You know, no one was actually there. To, you know, Dumbledore's spirit has been destroyed and he's the one that could verify that you did or didn't. So like Dumbledore interjects there, but like in the movie, he's just like, Harry, you just deal with this bully of an adult yourself. I'm going to sit here behind <laughs> my desk and just chill, man. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. So like what in the world? But uh, yeah, you take it, what, what you've got from now until the end of the movie, and I'll finish up with mine, and then we'll do our rankings. Yeah, think about that too, like you were saying, just piggyback off of that. This is a 12-year-old boy that the most genius or intellectual headmaster and powerful headmaster is just 100% okay at handing this powerful... <laughs> Dark Arts Diary that's been used to summon one of the most evil wizards of all time to hand him to a guy that's been investigated for having dark magic and dark materials and is a threat to this whole operation and knows he's not going to be happy with it? Like, okay, you're just going to leave a 12-year-old to that. So, big problem with that, but... Um, the one I do have here, so, um, is the way Dobby got the sock. So, you're better at explaining 
the way it happened, but it was different. I would put it here because almost at first it's like he put the sock on top of the diary. And, like, when he threw the sock out of the way, like, Dobby caught it in the book or something. Is that how it happened? You're better at explaining that situation. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'll do it for the people uh, on, like, so I've got a book here in my hand, right? So what he did in the book is he put his sock on it like this, like, just on the front cover and Mm -hmm. handed it to Lucius Malfoy, who, like, you know, threw it off to the side and Dobby caught the sock there, where, you know, in the movie, he kind of, like, almost like a bookmarker puts the sock in there and he just hands the diary to Dobby yeah. and he finds gotcha. it in there. So, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I was explaining that right. So, yeah, that and my names, man. Socks and names. <laughs> no no bueno here on this end. Um, but uh, also in the book, like, Dobby, like, shoots a spell and blasts Lucius down the stairs. We talked about this a little last week out of McGonagall's office. In um, the movie, he's just like, You shall not hit Harry Potter anymore! <laughs> and, like, snaps his fingers, and he, like, just gets hit down a hallway. He's like, Ugh, cost me my servant. It was all pissed. So I thought it was just so much cooler in the book. Um, like you said, you know, the, the house point scene wasn't even there. Okay, I guess they were trying to lead up to that. Um... But I talked about this one last week. So in the book, Hermione, like, gives them both a hug when she shows up for the the feast, right? Um, In the film, she gives Harry a hug, but actually she doesn't give Ron one. And it's because at the time, when she was so young, I guess, they actually did film this around a lot of extras. Those were actual extras there um, in the studio in London. They actually filmed this. I think it was right over at Pinewood is where it was filmed over there. Three Pinewoods in the world, by the way. Malice in the Chalice. Malice in the Chalice. Corkwood, baby. Yeah. There are three Pinewood Studios in the world, and I know because I worked at them. So Pinewood Studios, they film most of the fantasy series out there. Like, if you're going to watch a fantasy series, more than likely it's filmed at Pinewood Studios. So Pinewood Studios... The one here in the United States is in Fayetteville, Georgia. They did Avengers, which I was a big fan of those because I worked on those. Um, And then they do a lot of, these aren't fantasy, but they did all the Fast and Furious films. So a lot of the action films, not really fantasy are here because we don't get a ton of like cool fantasy environments. I would say like all Game of Thrones is filmed out in Spain and stuff. We don't have a whole lot of that here. Um, But a lot of that's filmed at Pinewood there. The one in London, that's where they filmed Pirates of the Caribbean. That's where they filmed Harry Potter and a lot of the other cool uh, fairy tale kind of things, I would say. Uh, And then the one in the other one is in South America, and they film a ton of foreign films like down there. Like I think Slumdog Millionaire was filmed there. So just thought it was pretty cool, you know, good stuff. But man, any, uh, Let's see. Hmm. Anything you want to rank on this Malice in the Chalice? That was a quick one. Any cool games you've been playing lately? Any, uh, you've been watching a cool Haunted series, right? What's that Billy Manor thing, right? Oh, yeah. Haunted, uh, the Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, I mean, honestly, because I know you're going to want to watch it at some point, so I won't give anything away uh, to you right now. But it it's similar to Haunting of Hill House, but it's more of 
it, it leads up to like a big climax of it being just as you know creepy and spooky and like makes you feel unsettled inside as as um, Hill House, but it kind of changes direction and almost finishes as more of a love story than a horror uh, thing. So you know, my final take on it is if you're looking for something scary. If you're gonna be wanting to watch Hill House more than Blind Manor, Blind Manor starts it, and it, you you start thinking in the first five episodes this is gonna be real good, real creepy, and you don't know what's happening. But then afterwards, like about episode six, maybe episode seven, it, you start seeing it, it's more of a love story than anything. So that's oh, yeah. all. No, good stuff, man. I've been meaning to check that out. So it's good stuff. Last thing before I throw this away, I think yeah, they should make, of course, the. Um, Chamber of Secrets as a as a haunted house in Universal, but as like their side haunted house that year because they should do all these different years. Like you have the Sorcerer's Stone with all the different levels for houses, and then you have the Chamber of Secrets the next year, and then their side house should be Malfoy Manor. That would be sick. Should, <laughs> should it be, be Malfoy awesome. Manor or should it be the Forbidden Forest? Yeah, well, I figured if they yeah. I feel like you would have to space these out through the years because you can literally do like Harry Potter haunted houses for like almost every year. Seriously, that. yeah, that cool? that's that's let's a really good point. That. Honestly, like let's think about it real quick without giving too much away. For me, what I would say, like maybe you do uh, the Forbidden Forest as a as the like side one in Sorcerer's Stone. Second yeah. one you do uh, um, for the Chamber of Secrets. Maybe I guess you could do. Malfoy Manor there because you do hear about it in Chamber, and then maybe you go do Azkaban for number three, like the prison for like, yeah. there's, like the side prison yeah. there. Then the uh, the Triwizard Maze would be the the one for Goblet. Then maybe the Department of Ministry like in Order of the Phoenix. Then maybe that cave that they go explore for Half Blood, and then you know maybe Green Gods like you know deep inside the bowels yeah. of Green Gods for you know number seven. Definitely. So I, I think the the cave in. In Half Blood, which we'll go into later in the show, would be so sick because spooky. As like it, it'd be so spooky. Well, in Universal, there's a part too where it's a hologram, but in the Mummy ride, you can see the key. So what they should do is if they had it like a hologram, like water, but you can see what we'll talk about later. What was there uh, when the water is there, and then you should put almost like plexiglass so it looks like holograms but you mix them in with like creatures that are coming at it and they're all like coming at you as you're trying to like walk around this what we'll talk about later that thing that's in the you know what i'm talking about <laughs> that's in that like yeah i guess projection i would say there but that would be sick so i think every year they should have done one big haunted house like sorcerer's stone you should have done the Forbidden Forest, like you were saying, um, with the centaurs and the unicorn blood. And you should have had the chess room or like the levels right there you're walking through with like, you know, the mannequins or the people that are actually like the chess pieces. Then, yeah, I would say Azkaban, definitely that. You could even do like the forest again, but with like Dementors and stuff. Um, Triwizard Tournament, like you said, the maze, that would be the most epic thing. Um, and you could just do like one massive maze. Order of the Phoenix. I feel like the Order of the Phoenix one, besides, yeah, like I guess it was the Ministry. Because my favorite scene there is like with the balls. You're like the crystal balls in the, the film hall of crashing. Yeah, yeah. Was that in the Ministry where that was? I can't remember where that yep, was. That was in the too. Ministry. 
yeah, yeah, man, you hit the nail on the head, man, and <laughs> Deathly Hollows. If you just <laughs> literally did what they did in Game of Thrones to King's Landing, <laughs> that's <laughs> what the you should have just made the haunted house the castle to look like that. <laughs> that's what they should have done. Now it's in the chalice, off to the shadow realm with you. Put it right here next to this basilisk, baby. I love it. Chase tells us like he's bad with names and continues to say basilisk wrong. He puts an extra K in there. Basilisk. Basilisk. It's hilarious. Over the past two weeks he's been doing that, I just never corrected you because I was like, eh, it's not that noticeable. But then I just thought it was funny because you... You just were like, yeah, you know, I'm not the good one with the names. Then you continue to butcher Basilisk. <laughs> oh, yeah. For those on the video, I tried to make sure that was sat up next to the Basilisk. And there goes McGonagall, man, falling off the table just like she did in history. Falling off her Quidditch broom. So go ahead and uh, finish up with limbs. your uh, other differences. Uh, oh, yeah, I was doing that. So that's what happens <laughs> with these Malice cards, baby. Um... Yeah, my last difference, though, was, remember, I was saying Hermione didn't um, give Ron a, a hug. And the reason was because she actually had almost like a public fear and didn't know Rupert very well. Uh, and then so she didn't, and they didn't make them refilm it um, because... They didn't know the ending at this point, and keep in mind, Deathly Hollows wasn't out yet, but J.K. Rowling did help with the filming, and she gave them a hint that that possibly could be a future, so they didn't tell the kids and just left it, and it was an unintentional foreshadowing, so that was cool. Also, uh, Hagrid, where he got the standing ovation at the end, that wasn't in the book. I just thought it was really cool how he's welcomed back from Azkaban. You gotta give him some credit, man. I don't think Hagrid gets enough credit. So that was my last uh, difference there. Any more, man? I got my last three, and then we'll talk about how he felt about the movie and how he felt about the book, and then we'll we'll close out Chamber with our with our fans here. So my last three is actually, if you listen to it really carefully in the movie, when Lucius is about to curse Harry with his wand, he says, Avada! Like, he's about to use the killing curse in school he's about to use a killing curse on top really that wasn't in the book you can't put that in the movie like that's not realistic like he, dumbledore yeah. was right there he's not going to try to kill harry with dumbledore right there so like yeah. i just thought that was really silly um then when they welcome back sir nicholas that never happened in the book and i still have a question you know we talked about this uh last week with him, how did he take the restorative drought? He can't consume anything. He's a ghost. And I don't know. But either way, that uh, him coming back into the Great Hall, and then they're all like, welcome back, Sir Nicholas. <laughs> that, just, that, <laughs> that just didn't happen. Um, yeah. And then lastly, my last difference was the same one as yours. Hagrid getting the standing ovation, which, you know what? I'm cool with. I guess, yeah, he doesn't get a lot of, uh, of love. So totally cool with that one. It is just a difference that I noticed, but... That that uh, it concludes my differences between the books and the movies. I think you're set with your differences. So, bro, yeah, go man. ahead and give them a rank of 1 to 10 for number 1, the book, and then number 2, the movie for Chamber. Uh, the book, I would give the book... I really enjoyed the book, and I didn't see really any... I You know what? I'll even... It wasn't like... 
I was just astounded like this book is the most amazing descriptive so intense thing because there are parts where it does slow down a bit so I'll give it an eight flat like I thought about giving it you know in the words of our boy Dave Portnoy you know those are rookie ranks you gotta give it 8.5 8.6 but because it slows down at some parts I gave it an eight flat but it's a very good book the film <laughs> the film uh, I don't want to be brutal on it so I'm gonna give it a six flat a six flat yeah what about you well man we are, we are we are opposites of our of our totem pole today in terms of like <laughs> not wanting to be critical but you know I am very critical of the movie and I did give the book a little bit of a higher rating than you but not much for me for the book, uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, I rated it in 8.2. 8. Okay. So, right around the same area as you did, nothing too crazy. Uh, I know that for Sorcerer's Stone, you know, when we finished that up, I think I gave that book a 7.8. I thought this was better than Sorcerer's Stone, so I, I'm going to go ahead and, and, you know, there was a lot of things, not as many plot holes in this one. Uh, it was very creative, a lot of description going on as well. So, it deserves a better rating than Sorcerer's Stone, in my opinion. So I went with 8-2 for Chamber of the Book. The film I thought was hot garbage. And I went <laughs> <laughs> I went ahead and rated it a 4-6. 4.6. Wow, you failed it. Failed That's it. A failed it completely. Failing grade. Yep. Not even I that. even passed it with a D. Yeah. <laughs> At least nope. passed. 4.6. Wow. I remember when I told you guys... And when we started this uh, entire series, just for, not the series, but just uh, this quick one for Chamber of Secrets, uh, two weeks ago, I said I, I tried to watch the movie for pleasure just to get into it before I took notes on it, and I couldn't even finish it. Remember, I, I texted you, and I was like, dude, I had to turn the movie off. It sucked. So Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's why I didn't hate it as much. It's because you warned me about it. Because Josh reads really quick, and, you know, we both have real jobs at the same time, too. Josh blew through this book, <laughs> like, in a few days. He was, like, watching the movie now, man. And, like, before he was even through it, he's like, I'm going to turn it off. This sucks. It's awful. It's awful. So, like, all week I was preparing myself for it. So I guess when I watched it, and on top of that, most of the day I was just going through the book, taking notes, because the book has a lot of detail, whereas the film doesn't. I can pretty much just watch the film and be like, ah, oh, here it is. I didn't, like, hate it as much, because I was kind of like, well, I don't really have, like, I gotta pay attention, but I don't have to keep writing stuff, so at least it gives my hand a break. So I guess that's why I gave it a six, but yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. Why is it, though, as a kid? Like, as a kid, I thought it was so cool. Watching it in the theaters, I was like, oh, this is great. This was a I great think because movie. Oh. As kids, our minds and our eyes are drawn more to action than it is to detail. And as we grow up, it's the detail that we really look for. And that's what's, that's what's really missing from the films is the detail and, you know, the importance of the supporting characters. Those are some really big things that are missing where if you're a kid you're not going to pay attention to that you're like "Ooh, he cast a spell Ooh, look at that snake that looks like a dragon kind of with no arms and legs like you know yeah. i don't know so that could be it but even so even so i know i told you this i don't think i mentioned it uh, either last week or the week before on the podcast but i'll mention it now like even with that like 
I remember in back of my mind, I didn't like Chamber of Secrets the movie even as a kid, but I didn't remember why. It was like a suppressed memory. I was like, I don't, like, I remember, like, never really remembering much about this movie when I was like, it should be really rememberable since they had a really big fight scene at the very end in the chamber. <laughs> and I went back and watched it, and I was like, oh, well, that's why I didn't like it, because the movie sucks. Got it. Because <laughs> 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 Like, why. yeah, like, yeah, okay, like, your, your, your young self was onto something. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, that's, that's all I got on my end. I mean. Uh, we're looking forward to jumping into Prisoner of Azkaban next week. You know, we're keeping this Harry Potter train rolling. And I think a lot of people, because, well, everyone has their own opinion on which are people's favorites and stuff. Um, you know, but I do know that most people really enjoy now, like, like getting into Azkaban towards the end. That's where most people kind of tuned in and really and really started their fandom more than in the first two books. I think Azkaban is really where people kind of, kicked off their love for Harry Potter. Do you kind of agree with that? Do you get that kind of sense from other people, not counting us who are really hardcore fans, but just the casual Harry Potter fan yeah. really tuned in around Azkaban? Is that what the kind of feel that you got too? Yeah, that's that's kind of the feel I got. Um, I do want to say too, like this franchise, I think one of the reasons it was so big to people and people caught on, it's funny, not like comparing it, to Star Wars, like, these two films were on that level, because it's definitely not, but as far as, like, the Star Wars kind of tension that builds up with this song at the beginning, well, like, when Harry Potter comes on, you know, you hear the score, it's like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, and you, like, see the Harry Potter, like, title with the lightning bolt scar and, like, the clouds and, like, the lightning and stuff. So I think that was kind of part of the draw to it as these first two films kicked off and they knew it was a book. So people just casual fan, fans thought like, man, this is like the next big franchise coming about, which it, it did wind up being a really big franchise, but I would agree 100%. I think Azkaban, it, it's so funny because I even remember watching Azkaban as a kid and thinking, just even watching the film when I had already read the book, this has got so much more depth involved um, in Azuban, which we'll start talking about next week, man. Um, which that one, it's going to take us more than one episode to do. But um, yeah, I mean, same with Chamber, it. right? That's probably going to take us three parts, and then our differences. It might be a four-parter, yeah. to be honest. To be completely honest, it might be a four-parter. Like, yeah. You know, like part one, two, and three, and then differences between book and movie as a fourth. It might end up being that way. Yeah, yeah. But it's going to be good stuff, man. You want to sign us off from here? You know it, brother. So, guys, uh, as always, and we do say this, and it really does help us out. It allows us to do what we do here. If you guys comment, like, subscribe, uh, follow our pages, it's super helpful. Uh, you know, it's a kind of the cliche thing everyone says, but it really does allow us to do what we do here. Uh, the bigger following that we got, the better equipment that we can get, the better content that we can provide you. So, uh, like Real we always... Too, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Not to interrupt you there. Just before you sign us off, they want to say I saw it today again, eight week, eighth week in a row on the featured list on Podbean Fiction, which is pretty cool. Like, yeah. most people, if they're on there, you know, they've only stayed on there a week and there we are, man. <laughs> We're still up there, alive and kicking. Thanks to all you guys, all our listeners and viewers. So it really means a ton to us. It doesn't go unnoticed. Also, a good point, too, is we got to shout out our hosting site. Podbean is our 
our direct hosting site. Obviously, you can find our podcast wherever you do get your podcasts. We're on all platforms, but that's our hosting site, and they've done great by us, so big shout-out to yeah. them there. And I think that will finish this up for today. So like we always say around here, this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing off. off.